Welcome to episode 135 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. Tony Lister is still alive, allegedly. And Kieran O'Rourke. So are you, Carl, and so are you. <laughs> and we are back I died week. inside a long time ago. <laughs> and if you didn't, backlash would have done it for everybody. Uh, we are back this week, of course, to talk about the worst turns in wrestling history, whether it be in execution, whether it be in conception, uh, whatever the reason being, the worst turns that you, as a viewer, the loyal listeners, have uh, sent us this week to discuss around the Oaken Table to see, uh, I guess, if, if we kind of agree, think they were the worst. I'm going to break down uh, the essence of a terrible turn from face to heel or vice versa. Uh, hell of a lot of feedback for this one. Really looking forward to this. Uh, of course, if you haven't heard any of our previous shows, you can go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com where we have all of our shows archived, uh, including a lot of other feedback-heavy topics and our uh, critically acclaimed Monday Night War timeline series that we will be returning to uh, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to hit two in a row. We're going to do August and September of 1999 in the upcoming two shows. Carl is wincing. <laughs> His face is contorting in a way I've never really seen before. He's gurning like a <laughs> champ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is not looking forward to this, but that means that you folks at home should yeah, look You forward. look like you're having a stroke while taking a shit. <laughs> anyway, go on. And that's what you got to look forward to in the next couple of weeks here at SCG Radio. The final two months of the Eric Bischoff regime in WCW. It's all coming to a head. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about there. Uh, but to get now to our topic of the day, the worst turns in wrestling history. Like I said, so many nominations. A lot of obvious ones come to mind here. Uh, and as well as that, we got a lot of obscure ones to talk about. Hey, they plug a book. Of course, why not? Don't leave it to the end, they might turn off at the end. Nah, no chance. Not, not with the loyal listeners. But I will mention here for the first time, listeners, that of course, you can pick up Crazy Like a Fox, the definitive chronicle of Brian Pillman, 20 years later, the Wrestling Observer 2017 Book of the Year. Boing. Uh, and you can pick it up on paperback or on Kindle or Amazon, and your, uh, your local Amazon, as a matter of fact. So, thank you very much for, for getting that in there, Kieran. I greatly appreciate it. Welcome. Now, moving on to the worst turns in wrestling history. Seamlessly segueing. <laughs> To Daniel Cleary on the Facebook page, who nominates Rikishi for this topic. <laughs> the hottest era in pro wrestling and its hottest star had been out for a year after being run down by a car with an unknown driver. Crowd was hot for an Austin return. I remember at the time thinking WWE could really run with this hot angle, and since Austin had been away, guys like Angle, Benoit, Guerrero, and Jericho had come in that world, uh, sorry, had come in that would be all fresh matches for Austin. First night in, they pissed that away when Fatu comes lumbering out and says he did it for The Rock and no one gave a crap. The feud was horrible, and at that time Rikishi as a mid-card face was actually getting over somewhat, but this turn really added nothing to the product and was a waste of Austin's return. Colin Bollocks on the UK fan forum also says, Rikishi's is the first that comes to mind. I appreciate they were trying something and someone new, and furnished a big quiche, he was an overact in his day. But if you listen closely, you can still hear the air coming out of that room. Rikishi, the fat dancer with the fat ass, now the man that did it for The Rock. They tried, but it just couldn't make any sense, and this in an era where sensationalism often stink-faced logic. Of course, after that Rikishi was dead, because they took away his overact as a fat dancer with a fat ass, now all he had was a fat ass. In quick time, almost realising what a tit they'd made of the reveal, they had Rikishi thumped by anyone that mattered, and then Triple H turned up to save us. 
Bad Man is a boss theme song, though, he says. Uh, Damien Ray 2.9 on TPWW form says, I mean, it's gotta be Rikishi, right? He took a fun, charismatic, very likable mid-card babyface and turned him in a way that even kayfabe-wise made no sense for his character and then go nowhere with it, all while keeping him in his normal attire and never going anywhere with a turn. And uh, by Tor on WrestlingForum.com, says, Rikishi doing it for The Rock has to be up there. It flopped, killed his heat, and led to nothing in the long run. The Undertaker failed to make him famous, and Keish going heel even pretty much killed, killed off too cool. Plus he was back to being a happy-go-lucky dancing fatty within months, only now with no chance of ever climbing out of the mid-card. So yeah, this is possibly the worst. This It's a good one. Um, strong one to start. It's a off. strong one. Uh, strong because ticks a couple of boxes it's I think bad in conception and execution yes and follow up and, no, and, and recovery <laughs> I'm calling it recover I'm adding an extra one recovery to this um, technically because recovery you can add that to the Steve Austin thing yeah, yeah. anyway um, yeah first of all it was interesting who are they going to put in the position as, as that kind of fan who's, who's going to be in the position of taking out Steve it's a big deal yeah it's you know in theory it's going to be driving the show when Steve comes back for a long time it's going to put someone in the position. You think it's going to be someone new. That was a good fit. Or oh, someone unexpected, anyway. There's that sense of... Uh, there, was, there was a sense of anticipation. And then, when it's Big Rick... <laughs> Who ain't slick. He ain't slick, despite having blonde hair. <laughs> um, it's... Look, Rikishi wasn't even a likeable fav- baby face. He was a lovable baby face. Lovable. There is no heel inclination about this guy in, in that guise whatsoever and then you don't change that guise the premise for the turn is kind of babyfacious he's trying to help the biggest babyface on the show okay so in, in conflict with Steve Austin but it was so unbelievable it just the it was a, what a way to shit <laughs> on the whole angle in one foul swoop yeah it's like instead of where do we go from here it became that's over even if that wasn't the conscious thing, it's like there was nowhere to go with it, and they and they they realise it straight away because that's why. And soon, and then the follow up, the recovery, it trips. Great, that makes <laughs> yeah. fucking of course he does. Fun, fucking fantastic. Yeah, and just the lowest party of the year again. Much. Yeah, and no one cared, and, and and then that's it. You've completely wiped out any impact of the Steve Austin absence. Yeah, all all the we've talked about on the timeline about the benefits they used to get when Steve was down in like ninety eight, ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it really helped develop and mould the character and, and, and they, they had to find creative ways to use him without wrestling this I, I just I can't completely try this what was I saying <laughs> basically this was a way that you know, when Steve Austin comes back yeah sorry this pisses yeah so when Steve comes back and if previously they found all those cool ways to use the injured gut this time it's the only thing you've got out of it is the anticipation of the return so the anticipation of the return to make a heel and then set up a series to take you forward for six months to a year and it was just one foul swoop execution and conception terrible but, terrible but, terrible <laughs> done in a month done yeah. in a month Carl your thoughts yeah just to touch on, on one of Kieran's points there as well. it's not as if in the build up to the reveal of it being Rikishi they'd really demonstrated that there was a turn on the cards for him apart from uh, Unforgiven the not when he does the um, the bonsai drop on the China the bonsai drop on China that, that's about the only thing you get and in all honesty at the time when he does it she, he does it because she interferes in the match that's, that's like the biggest heel move in the world so 
you know, that he has shown no inclination at all, as as Kieran pointed out. So it's 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 a bitterly disappointing direction to go in. And even even when they hamstring themselves with the notion of the driver had blonde hair, even then, I think there's an obvious better way out of it. It's, it's, <laughs> no, yeah, you could go with, but I, I was thinking more along the lines of Jericho. Have it be Jericho. The guy who came in around that time and was doing nothing and had to, you know, hey, maybe he had to take out Steve Austin to try and uh, get himself on the card yeah. and then get himself, you know. And re regrettably, instead they go with Rikishi. It quickly spirals down into racial overtones oh, yeah. with the, the great, great white, white hope. hope and. Yeah, that that always which, which, which didn't have nearly the uh, the charm as, as Damon Wayans <laughs> Wayans grabbing his cross and saying, "Whoop, there it is." <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I need to find what year that was released. So yeah. I can look up how many Oscars that film won. <laughs> I, believe, I believe it was zero. Unfortunately. <laughs> Ironically enough, the same number as the people who cared about Rikishi turning heel. <laughs> um, yeah, and Kieran mentioned the recovery there. It very much quickly became a we fucked up. How do we quickly get out of this? Oh, well, we'll have Barry Rikishi for a start. Yeah, that's over and done with. He beats him in a cage match in, like, weeks mm -hmm. on Raw. Yeah, and it's... Even then, you're sort of still sat there scratching your head because you sort of think... He's far more concerned there with the person who had the idea... Than the, the than the person who was actually the perpetrator. The man with the black glove. And you just think, yeah. oh, God, yeah, the black glove. Yeah. <sighs> As far as buy rates go, it was a black death, but you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, bitterly disappointing because you, you think about the, you know, as Kieran said, you've got the anticipation of the return, and then it's that, and you think, oh. I was so excited oh, for the dear. idea. Were you like the, the, the who done it? I really dug the who done it. I thought they were doing like a, a pretty appreciable job of like they're actually building suspense here. I really want to know who it is. I'm really trying to wrap my brain as the, to who fits this. They're willing to go to the extent. I don't want to say. Slow, biggest thing in the world but yeah they're going to the extent of not turning Foley but clearly positioning him as a heel if, if for nothing else just for the purposes of this story mm. right? you know so they're willing to sacrifice Foley to an extent as well okay so yeah. in theory you think this is something that's had quite a lot of thought into it which, <laughs> which, it, which it probably had it's just that all those thoughts were wrong I don't know if they really knew. So this is the thing that's interesting about it is I remember that um just just quickly oh, sorry, just quickly. because we, at some point we should probably mention the the Billy Gunn room which we seem to be be the uh, the, the one that was going round. Um I want to be Sean so bad. And I just I just wondered is it possible that it was always originally supposed to be Billy Gunn because, they didn't know. because he was the member of DX that wasn't there and they just soured on it because it's Billy, Billy Gunn. Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, actually, I wouldn't be surprised. The He's not the one. The thing, it's in terms of execution now, it's it's Rikishi as well, it's terrible in the role. It's, yeah. Like, again, the premise is it's almost a sympathetic cause and he just comes across as pathetic. There's no reason to hate the guy. No. You don't want to see him get beaten with an inch of his life by Steve Austin. It's just kind of sad sad human being who's pathetic and he's not even doing things for his own personal gains that, idiot that, and, and that's the thing though to that point Kieran, it, well Triple H put him up to it yeah, as it's revealed it's almost, obviously and obviously this this didn't happen I, mean, I suppose we shouldn't be surprised that it didn't happen because it's The Rock and he's almost godlike and so over but it's almost to the extent of 
you run the risk here of damaging the rock in the process. Yeah. Which, in and of itself, just as a standalone thing, would have been unforgivable. But to to run the risk of damaging the rock and taking the anticipation away from the Austin return. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, so, so obviously, at the time, uh, right now, as as we uh, have this conversation, obviously, as we mentioned off the top of the show, we're going to be doing the Monday Night War timelines for uh, August and September. And WCW is a turgid period during this time. So I thought, you know, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to go to 2000 Raw and watch that because that's going to be ace. And uh, so I'm watching those right now. And of course, this period is, is what I'm watching. So to see it again, it's interesting to see when Rikishi is revealed, it's not like the crowd shits on it. The crowd's like, ooh, ooh, interesting. And then there's a promo the next week where he's going to explain his motive, where he's in a hotel room with Jonathan Coachman. I can't believe this promo saw the light of day. The stumbling and the mumbling and the, the just—it's fucking terrible. I have no idea how they thought this is the guy. This is this is. I'm glad that we went this direction. This is a terrible call. I do think that Rikishi was cooling down a little bit uh, before this, though. You mentioned the, the Unforgiven, yeah. nothing angle. And Rikishi's peak had come and gone. I felt by 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 September October time in 2000. Yeah, the, the, the Val Venus splash and fully load everyone was off the top of the cage. But by SummerSlam Unforgiven, he's just kind of there filling space. So they probably thought. Hey, let's let's give it a go. But they clearly, when you look at the way this is done, no, no desire to make him. If that's the case, anything special, then shouldn't surely you should position him, give it a couple of little, maybe a tag match when something goes awry and he costs another babyface, or he starts mm. doing stuff that can misconstrues one way or the other. Just add a bit of layer into this character. But again, it wasn't about him. No, he did it for selfless reasons. He did it for his fucking because he's patriotic, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And then is it? And Rock, of course, refuses this. Claims he has no knowledge. Doesn't want to associate with the quiche. And then, as it turns out, it's all a, it's a bollocks excuse anyway. Because Triple H put him up to it because he hates Steve Austin so much. The other thing you mentioned there, Liam, about trying to frame the Rock, basically. yeah, about the um, what may potentially have been their line of thinking when it comes to you know Rikishi's cooling off. This is so. This is something we can do with him to to him. No. no, no, no! You do not gamble like that with the Austin return. No, yeah, that's the thing. This is not even, about Rikishi. This is about Steve Austin. Even if you can point to that rationale, that rationale's still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, talk about um, you know uh, turns that had like things kind of you know, leading up to, or, or not turns in this case that didn't really have any kind of signs leading up to. We move to another one now, a bit more obscure. Mark Fox on the Facebook page, facebook.com/scgradio, nominates. To Tonka turning heel. He was injured due to getting his ass handed to him in a streak ending battering at the hands of Ludwig and Yoko Zuna. He returned the following year and had a feud with IRS because he forgot to pay some taxes on his Chief J Strongbow headdress or some shit. I'm guessing he must have paid said taxes because he ended up joining the million dollar corporation within a couple of months, but only after telling everyone that Lex Luger was being paid off by DiBiase. Lying bastard. Anyway, he went from an undefeated babyface, who was easily in the upper mid-card, knocking on the door of the main event for almost two years, to losing his streak, forgetting to pay his taxes on a headdress, joining the corporation, becoming a jobber, and then fucking off in less than a year. Nice one. TJ Sharp also backs up and says, uh, I always thought that the Tonka one sucked too. Looking back at, uh, at the way WF was at the time, and like to use stereotyping, I have no idea how the Tonka didn't end up as a casino owner after oh, his turn. Oh, I was about to say that! <laughs> oh, that was, I was just, yeah, I was sp- spent the last five minutes thinking of this little scenario where Ted wants to open a casino, so he goes <laughs> to, to Tonka, 
old tap man and uh, yeah like he runs a casino on, on his family's like uh, land or something that would have been yes thank you yeah. that would have been money <laughs> in Ted DiBiase's bank account. Yes, indeed. So this obviously they, they did do things where uh, where they tease that Luger would, Luger would fuck things up, and it's like, look, and Tonga would be there on TV saying, look, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he's fucking turning, he's joined DiBiase, and of course it's all a big ruse. Tonga sold out and took the money. Can't be your thoughts as uh, SummerSlam Night fought and folded. Well, it, it's funny that they they do the the turn against Luger. For it then to really amount to nothing, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no continuation of a singles feud to blow it off. Tatanka is just basically, pretty much straight after that, a heel jobber. Yeah. I mean, by, by the time we get to '96, just before he's released, he, he loses on pay-per-view to Jake Roberts, who they go at great pains to Jake Roberts run to emphasise the fact that he's 41 years old. So you sort of sit there. And, and they clearly got no plans for Tatanka. Well, so, so that was what was that February '96? Okay, February '96. So that was after he disappeared after his uh, <laughs> incident with a gigolo Jimmy Del Rey and a uh, rat in Southern California that uh, <laughs> ended up with blood all over the walls, allegedly. Yeah. So he came back for that one brief, that brief, brief stint. I forgot ever happened where he's uh, he's back and wrestling Jake for some reason. Mm. But yeah, he, you know, he, he quickly. Just, Poor fucking legs, by the way. <laughs> he, he quickly just falls down into to obscurity. But on the subject of Lex, it's it's glaring just how quick his fall from grace has been. <laughs> yeah, from a year previously for the balloon drop, well. to <laughs> yeah, which we've discussed in the past, <laughs> to co-royal rumble winner, to joint main event at WrestleMania, to losing with a schoolboy roll up to Tatanka. And then at Survivor Series, don't forget, pinned by King Kong Bundy. <laughs> by the time we get to mid-95, he's losing in King the Ring qualifiers, and he just does a run-in at SummerSlam. I was pretty excited by the prospect of the Allied powers, though. Bulldog and Lex. Mm. Which one was more immobile at that point? I just, you know, because I said... Should have worked. <laughs> I, I liked both guys at, at various points in my youth, and, you know, I thought, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Failed to win the tag belts because Lex Luger's there apparently, so that's the uh, the, 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 the clincher. Yeah, if, if, well, if you can't root for them against the Blues Brothers, who can you root for? <laughs> the Nazis versus the Allied Powers. <laughs> I think we've been here before. Book of Mania on UK fan form. What we uh, you know, uh, using the name Lex Luger says, I have to say Lex Luger in 1993. He came in as the narcissist in early 93 as a smug heel who would cause damage to his opponents with a metal plate in his arm. He beat up fan favourites like Perfect Heart and Virgil. Then all of a sudden, he's Captain America, defeating the evil foreigner by countout in the main event of SummerSlam 93 and celebrating like he won the title. He could never replace Hulk Hogan or compete with Bret Hart as it showed as the Lex Express was put to a start by Mania. Luger's babyface turn is the all-time worst. I got to, I got to object I, here. I disagree with. In this. terms of execution of the actual turn, I really like this. Because maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's nostalgia. I thought this was great. I, I the thought, fucking USS I thought, Intrepid. I thought the angle as a standalone angle is very well done. Yes, you can argue that maybe Luger's misplaced again. If we go by sort of what I'll call the Rikishi rule for the purposes of this podcast, he'd shown no inclination of turning prior to it, but. Yeah, no. as, as, a, as a standalone angle it was well executed including by the way knocking and out our boy Tatanka in the King of the Ring in the first round days before yeah well it's, <laughs> yeah, it's Tatanka um, and then I, th I think there's still momentum there going up to SummerSlam 
Oh yeah, it's, a, it's everything that comes after SummerSlam that's the issue. Oh yeah. So I don't I don't feel it's the turn itself that's the the problem at all when it comes to analysing Luger. This is long term execution. If you're going to go this route, if you're going to go all the way, if you're going to go balls deep with Lex. Then he's he's got to pop it. He's got to pop at the right time, and SummerSlam's the he, right he, time. He has to, and this is a company that has a history of of sort of going a bit too late in the end. Don't Turn they? it. <laughs> you know they don't they don't uh, they don't have a good track record necessarily of pulling the trigger at the optimum time. There are one or two notable exceptions, but you know by and large they tend to sort of go a month or two past the the, uh, the optimum window. And with Luger, yeah, by the time you get to SummerSlam, he has to win. Because once he doesn't win at the SummerSlam and the balloons drop, the fans care more about Bret Hart again. <laughs> yes. Well, as, I, as, as I've you know, said before, I, I was on board the Lex Express. All the way. I, I love the USS Intrepid angle. It was great. It's such a simple, pure pro wrestling angle. But pretty unique in its own way it was, at the same it, time. But the, like, the setting was... I think the grand, it was brilliant. The yeah. evil foreigner has been... You know, he fucked Hogan. Yeah, and it, it, who Hogan it, couldn't slam. This giant guy who's oh god, great storyline with the Hogan and the Andre going back, and then you've got you throw in this guy Luger who no one's liked. <laughs> this one is where the no, the no foreshadowing is absolutely perfect because I know it's it's fine, not perfect. I said if you'd done this a little bit, he might have been. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nice. But the thing is, it's like okay, he's a heel. He's completely in, in it for himself. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone else in the country, and then he sees this foreigner. Shitting all over his beloved, uh, over I guess over his flag, which he now got, he realises he's got some allegiance to, and he, he has a change of character. True character is expressed through conflict, and Lex's true colours were red, white, and blue, and they came to the fore just like that. And he fucking celebrates a count-out win. <laughs> I jumped off the you've bus. Ne- you've ne- <laughs> I jumped it's, off the bus like that. It's it's ironic that the wheels would come off the Lex Express. <laughs> yeah, that again. <laughs> it's ironic that the wheels would come off the Lex Express in Detroit of all places. <laughs> City. Perfect. Monday. It wasn't American built. That's anything we can say. It must have been <laughs> I can't think of a foreign company. Japanese built. Maybe Nissan. Yeah. We'll go for that. Yoko was in on it all along. Okay. It was Yoko and the Japanese car makers. Oh, damn it. <laughs> a couple more, uh, again, kind of interesting, obscure ones to get nominated for the worst of all time. Mungo Chutney on the UK fan form says, The demolition Powers of Pain double turn from Survivor Series 88 was terribly executed. The spot they used for the turn with Fuji holding the rope down and Smash falling to the outside is perfectly set up to be the finish to the match. Instead, they have the Powers of Pain versus Lost Conquistadors still going on and the crowd think that Fuji has gone babyface. Only after a minute when I think Warlord helps Fuji up do the crowd start to catch on, but even then it's still not clear until Demolition run them off at the end that it's actually a double turn for the teams and not a face turn for Fuji. That's how I remember it without going back and watching. Utterly confusing and not the way to handle a double turn or any kind of turn really. Yeah, you can you can gauge it quite appropriately from the crowd reactions at, at the show because that even after they win there are still sort of I can't call it subdued cheers. It sounds like a bit of an oxymoron, but you, know, you, you get you get some cheers out there still, even despite sort of demolition being screwed by Fuji. And then when they put him on the shoulders, he's you know it's like the, the hush, and then there's a return to a few boos. But you know neither the cheers nor the boos are, are with any sort of voiceless nature. So yeah, um, an odd one. Um, but not significant enough to me to be in the discussion for worst turns. 
especially when you consider you know maybe the execution on the night wasn't great but demolition did get over pretty well afterwards. oh it's baby faces the demos are fucking red hot so yeah I, I, I see your point there in terms of execution on the day yes but conception I think the conception was, was fine yeah I, I class it as like a it's like an indie turn where there's no real emotional connection with the crowd with the turn that's happening no anticipation no the, the narrative that isn't projected clearly to what's the moving parts what what's actually moving mm. in this case it's the teams not the heat not the manager um so yeah there's this complete disconnect and then it happens there's a bit of confusion the silence and then it you know okay, it took afterwards fine but yeah, yeah. execution no <laughs> it's just it's hilarious obviously this is like done to set up I guess Powers of Pain as the, the foes for demolition for Wrestlemania and they just get beat and that's the end <laughs> and to be honest I'm not that sad about it Powers of Pain never did it for me anyway so there no. you go um, speaking of Noid from TPWW forum says Triple H's babyface turn in 2006 may not have had major ramifications on the business but it was pretty awful the DX period of Shawn Michaels comeback was his worst stuff Triple H acting like he's cool and funny might be true to his real personality but it doesn't make for great television <laughs> he said acting is the key word there we get it Hunter sometimes a rooster can be called a cock that's where we get the slang cock from. You cock. <laughs> Triple H specifically came off like a naughty schoolboy talking behind teachers' back during the DX stint. And when the funniest part of your act is the unintentionally hilarious visual of Vince McMahon's bloody face being shoved into Big Show's rectum, you're not exactly creeping up on the sophisticated writing of Arrested Development or Faulty Towers. This is all compounded by my general disinterest in Triple H. And there was something particularly irritating of him glomming off Shawn Michaels for that period. He then stayed at Babyface for seven years or so and during that extended run we got the ass kicker him inserted himself into John Cena's comeback in 2008 him making the number 20 on the Boston Phoenix's unsexiest men of 2011 <laughs> and jamming himself into the summer of punk if you ever return to the better as a face or heel concept Triple H is one unlikely to be discussed because as a baby face he is downright awful great take it, it's a brilliant take I mean one thing I will say is it wasn't just 2006 in which Triple H glommed off Shawn Michaels. He owes his career to glomming off Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. Um, but, yeah, God, did I hate the DX stuff in 2006. I just, it's so bloody insufferable. And, you know, they sort of give it the old college try, I suppose. But, you know, there's, there's merchandise to be sold and all that jazz. But, yeah, you sit there and think, here's two men. Well over forty, with glow sticks, balding. <laughs> One of them's wearing a beanie hat, indoors at all times. His eyes crooked again now. <laughs> yeah, this this isn't doing it for me. Only Triple H had the Kangle hat still, you know. I like how the beanie hat inside, like Carl Taylor. Carl Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Tank. Yes, yeah, what's up, Tank? Uh, old man Jones. Um, like, you know, a no-no. I like that. So. When, when you're that age, absolutely. Oh, come on. You're going to give him shit for being bald. You just said he was bald. Cold head. Yeah. Uh, embrace it. <laughs> it's happening. Just accept it. How about, how about the absolute destruction of the Spirit Squad that we have to sit through, by the way? So yeah, well, the, the Spirit Squad was shit anyway. Oh, I know. I'm not, sad, I'm not sad about the fact that they did it. It's the fact that we had to sit through the, the Spirit Squad for all those months just for them to get ping-ponged. To, to get thrown into a crate with OVW. <laughs> OVW sticker. <laughs> Yeah, and just when it actually seemed like it was going somewhere with Edge and Orton, that's when Triple H pops his quad again, and uh, and they it's all she wrote. So, 
But yeah, as you mentioned there, they did come back for the glow sticks period, which I thought was actually worse. The one thing I will say, because the email touched upon it there, as insufferable as I found the, the 2006 Triple H run, him inserting himself into the punk storyline, I think is far more egregious oh, yeah. as an act. Yeah, oh yes it was, oh yes it was. Um, Moving along here, Gordy M on the UK fan forum says, Turning Cesaro heel on Raw the day after he won the first Andre the Giant Battle Royal is his nomination. When he slammed Big Show over the ropes and then nice callback to Hogan body slamming Andre, the crowd popped big time and Cesaro's babyface turn was complete. Everything was neatly set up for him to have a heated feud with his ex-tag team partner Jack Swagger and then carry on up the card. Then 24 hours later, some fucking idiot decided to turn him back to a heel on Raw by aligning him with Paul Heyman. At any other time, this actually might have been a career boost, but with Lesnar having ended the streak the night before, both he and Heyman truly had white-hot heel heat and Cesaro now had guilt by association. Heyman had admitted, has admitted in interviews that Cesaro was basically a prop, a way to justify Heyman coming out every week to cut promos and keep the aforementioned streak-ending heat white-hot while Brock was gone on his usual too-long sabbatical. Uh, poor Cesaro was left with nothing to do but lurk in the background looking as useful and wanted as an erection at a lesbian party. Cesaro went from being a super worker, an ever-growing crowd fave with a big mania win, to an afterthought in one day, and it took years to recover an absolute fucking waste very impassioned that's why I, maybe I should jump into this one for, first because I maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, so correct me if I'm wrong I think I've been a bit bigger on Cesaro than, than you have like, oh that's uh, fair I, th I, I, I think um, Cesaro's very good but I think the, the, the difference is I don't see him as a top guy no that's, that's fair enough I mean I again this isn't something I'd categorise in, in the worst turns when, when you look at the, the history of wrestling um, but it's a disappointing one because at that point there was still some form of credibility to winning the battle royal it was you know, even however briefly it was it was seen as this sort of oh this is someone who's going to get a bit of a leg up now perhaps you know, we'll see where it goes and you know, he wasn't getting off the charts reactions I think a lot of his reactions were more Based around the one move, I think the big swing than than any than anything sort of you know grander than that. But there was some some positive reactions there. So you think, well, at least go with it for a while, give it a chance, see see where it goes. But you know, it, he's he's given to Heyman, and I don't I don't think that in and of itself has to be a negative. That's something you can you can work with absolutely when you've got Paul Heyman there there's no reason for it to ever be a negative if it's you know, at least treated half decently um, but yeah for, for, it to, for him to just become a, a prop and then very quickly just an absolute loser a disappointing turn but not one that I'd ever lose sleep over yeah I wouldn't rank it up there just because where he was coming from wasn't a particular height and he was kind of just just another miswaste of a guy who's talented but they was completely incapable of capitalising on his strengths at that point in time well I guess they thought so was, was that the, the idea of putting with Heyman but it probably it probably meant well at first I on paper so. the idea and then like, like, like most times once they put the idea in place they really don't give a shit about what they do there's nothing there for it there's no. nothing it was just it was together and it's I Heyman just take criticism too because he he likes to big himself up about helping guys and giving advice and stuff well you didn't help this guy much so why the fuck did you agree to it mm. if I just yeah just, just the way Heyman presents how he likes to help and 
give yeah. advice these days. It's, it's like, well, okay, when they say I'm going to put this car with it, did you ask what we're going to do? Because they seem to go out every week someone, and they had no fucking idea. Yeah. Paul Heyman is not an idiot, and you would think yeah. if anyone was going to ask what's the plan, it would be him. Mm. Yeah, so he's there saying, retrospect, I was an idea, just give me, have me out there. Well, fuck, fuck you. It's like, <laughs> if you know, even if you know that, you can still channel things to, you mm. need to. Oh, I just, what well, bullshit. to phrase it like that, or it's almost the, to the extent it makes you think that, well, this isn't really retrospect. Heyman knew exactly what the situation was straight away and didn't care because Heyman has that selfish streak in him. You know, the, the, the history is there. Yeah. Um, but just quickly out of curiosity, because I think um, he mentioned that it took him a long time to recover. Now, again, this is something that can be sort of argued, debated, depending on how high you think Cesaro's ceiling is, I guess. But I don't think he's ever really recovered and what I mean by that is I can't think of another period really in terms of how he's been booked or treated but I sit there and think yeah they they see they're seeing him now in a greater light than they did back then I don't really think he's ever really been elevated beyond that that point no, that I think he's probably just you know plateaued with, with, with the sort of the odd moment. Glenric Pilchards on the UK fan forum says, the worst heel turn has to be when Eugene turned heel on Hacksaw Jim Duggan in 2006. Who in the right mind would want to boo a special person? How do you do that and not do the usual suspect reveal? And Nintendo Logic on Pro Wrestling Only says the Eugene heel turn was wretched. The gimmick as a whole was pretty tasteless but trying to turn him into a bad guy made it even worse. Am I really supposed to boo a mentally handicapped man who wants people to stop laughing at him? The I'm, only way it could have possibly worked is if he had revealed he was faking it the whole time. That's the only... I can't remember what it says. It's the only sensible thing you can do. I mean, the sensible thing would have been not, to not do the character in the first place, but I completely forgot this even happened. <laughs> yeah, so I want the best that I one was out. completely oblivious to that. I love this one. I, I remember so... that The thing on... 2006 is not a pretty year for Eugene, the, the character. Or anyone. No, not really. But this one especially I remember the segment where there's like a bunch of divas in the ring and I think they're advertising probably a magazine or diva search or something like that and Eugene comes out wanting to kiss them and when they and, and like when he's like you're gonna be my girlfriend and he starts getting aggressive and he starts getting really angry with them and it's like oh fuck yeah now <laughs> this is horrible <laughs> so he's literally one stage away from what happened to my wiener <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but if you'd done that right, cop to feel, and then he does the usual suspects reveal, it's like, this guy's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just perved and copped off all these chicks. And yeah. They didn't even complain. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Sadly, that this was no Kaiser Soze. Oh, uh, he wasn't Kaiser Soze. This was not even uh, Born Again from ECW, which I know that that was, uh, that was pimped. I, remember, I think, I remember thinking, like, when he showed up at, like, ECW one like stand, where, like, he gets to take a baron from Sandman or something, and I thought, they're gonna do it. This is the perfect place. They're, they're, they're totally gonna reveal that he's he's been working everybody all along. You can get away with that in ECW. But nope. Do it in the ECW, though. You can get a big get Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally it would. But, yeah, what are you gonna do? Anyway, that's, uh, in terms of worst turns of in conception... <laughs> That is. I've just got this. That takes something special. I've just no got this. Yeah. 
I've just got this image of his contorted face in the ring as he. <laughs> You're gonna be my girl. It was fucking terrible. I can picture it. Now. It's terrible. There was another. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, we'll come, we'll come to his fucking awful baby face stint another time, I'm sure. But yeah, so he'll turn on it, and then they, again they bend it off, like within like three weeks, and he's back to plain old Eugene. So there you go. Anyway, Braddock John on Facebook has got another one here. Abyss's face turn in TNA. The fact that it was basically the Undertaker face turn in 1997 with half of the intricacy just smelled of an uncontrolled Russo. That also brought us the super unconvincing Abyss vs. Judas Messias feud. This is, of course, the after winning the title by DQ in <laughs> one of Russo's first nights. God damn it. Uh, he is revealed to have watched his mother shoot his father three times in the back. Um, yeah. And then as it turns out, I think Jim Mitchell's his dad. Yeah, which I don't know. And Judas Macias is like a is like Kane. He's the half brother, just like Taker and Kane. It's just this the dog's dick. This didn't go anywhere. I like how, I like how they use like the biblical reference, the name as well. Like it's not even fucking sort yeah of, yeah. Um, and then I think the actual the, the full blown turn was when like they just like Christian and his guys like battered him in the ring. And he like gigged his arms and put scars through his tattoos and stuff like that for this fucking shitty angle in TNA that no one remembered. And then he came back and wrestled Tomko. And now half the time he's appearing in Joseph Parks. Much better. I can't stand this. I'm gonna say a flying fuck about him as a hill baby face. I just, I, 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 he repulses me yeah. in, in the wrestling sense. Um, always did when you get when you go and watch him. Go and watch them drag drag the to fucking wrestling, and there's this <laughs> like yeah, save me, darling. <laughs> terrible, terrible. I don't. Yeah, I just don't. Him as a wrestler is a fail. Yeah. I mean, I I often used to refer to him as the under Kane. Uh, for, 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 <laughs> for the absolute blatant just rip off that he was. Uh, and you didn't care about more as a babyface. Well, no, that's the. I, I don't want to sound harsh to the, the emailer, but for me to give the suggestion credence would mean that I had to care about Abyss As at a some heel. point, and I never did yeah. mm. at any stage. Well, here's a guy who people did care ever, about. Ever, just so we're clear. And they never, turned. Well, his... Never, ever, <laughs> ever. But this one they did, Carl. Matt Appen on the Facebook page says, Goldberg's heel turn at Great American Bash 2000 was horrendous and went absolutely nowhere, but hey, it was WCW in 2000. Even management had given up by then, let alone the fans. All it gave us was a less than stellar Goldberg versus Nash match at Bash at the Beach, him not going up for a jackknife at New Blood Rising, and then by the end of August, he's a babyface again. So yeah, what the hell's the point? That really sums up the final year of WCW, he says. Tiger Rick on the UK fan forum says, I know I always answer Goldberg, but I'm gonna say it again. It was the most stupidly conceived idea you could imagine to turn a guy who had far from outstayed his welcome as a babyface and was, in fact, the only genuinely popular wrestler in the entire company. Add to which, he had never shown anything you require from a heel. WCW was probably already dead, but this was a big nail in the coffin. Shocking for the sake of it, without any thought whatsoever put into what's next. Uh, Mad Dog on Pro Wrestling only simply says Goldberg in WCW turning was an epic failure. Uh, Lockhart the Goat on WrestlingForum.com says, Oh lord, definitely Goldberg's in 2000. Most probably don't even remember, since no one was really watching WCW by that point anyway, but turning your biggest star heel is just insanely dumb, especially when they needed all the attention and viewers they could get at that point. I even remember a Nitro where he said the fans never cheered him. 
which is not only untrue, but they were awkwardly chanting his name even as he said it. <laughs> and uh, MRZFN on Pro Wrestling Only says Goldberg turning back to a babyface was almost as bad as the heel turn. It's true, because he did it by giving a shooty shoot promo where he basically just said he didn't like playing a heel. <laughs> Good God, was that a dark time, he says. Say, by, by Russo WCW standards, that's probably one of the longer stints for any active wrestler in, in, a, in a specific disposition. You know, good two months. That's uh, that's a pretty long time for old uh, Vinnie Roo. Um, it's it was a, a poor decision um, amongst a litany of poor decisions within the company. Um, it's and and whilst it it is a, a just a terrible idea to to turn the one person left that anyone cares about heel. I can't really say it had widespread consequences or ramifications because, as one of the emailers pointed out, there the company was already dead. It was all—it was already dead. It was just drifting along, and this was just one of the last stupid—well, not last, but one—one one of the many stupid things they would do along the way. I was going to say, I, I was really surprised they turned Goldberg and didn't value him as as the as, as the valuable asset he was. I mean, he'd been leaving numbers for like three years at this point maybe two or three years and they never give a fuck anyway they just you know they just minimalise his his importance on shows or just get him off shows completely yeah. and he was never he was never presented as, as the, the, the drawer he was so this shouldn't surprise us that said it was surprisingly stupid um, <laughs> even by the standards even, think about that even by that premise yeah of them not valuing Bill Goldberg the way he should have been this was still and a monumental Russo. monumental fuck up that's the <laughs> what Again, the, the whoever uh, said it perfectly well, it's done for shock value. Oh, yeah. Um, right. The yeah, presentation yeah. of it in the build-up was this, we're going to change the landscape of pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, there's nothing that Vincent Mann can do about yes. it. That fucking line. That's the line. Um, and then, yeah. That's what it is. It's nothing Vincent Mann wants to do about this. <laughs> yeah, Vincent Mann's laughing. Right <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't take notes about it. He would have changed the channel, but he's too busy laughing to reach for the remote. <laughs> that works on the assumption that he paid for the pay-per-view, which nobody did. <laughs> It's a, it's a rotten one. It, again, execution's bad. They do yeah. the thing where like they, they, he beats up Jim Duggan, like you know, like beat, you know, punches his, his like kidneys. They punch the, the kidneys. They after, played they played the cancer card. Yeah, they played the cancer card and Goldberg beat up the cancer patient. And to my absolute delight, the fans still cheer Goldberg as he battered that useless wanker Jim Duggan. <laughs> By that point, it was over, and he was only he was only moments away from a, a fantastic turn into Team Canada himself. It's um, I think Kieran summed it up quite nicely, really, in the sense of we shouldn't be surprised that it wasn't given the attention it should, because you can argue that from the basically from the night after the Georgia Dome winning the belt onwards, that was the way he was treated. Yeah, it was over from there. It basically became at some point we're going to pick someone to beat him. Anyway, even dropping it, he's dropping it because Owen's going to win it back. Yeah. So. Yeah. From the start, from the start, it's fucked. Yeah, he was knobbed. Big Vic on TBWW with another nomination here. Big Vic, who's had uh, some some words that Kieran has not liked in the in the past, and is probably he's not gonna like these ones either. 
I feel like Mick Foley's heel turn in 2006 was pretty bad. He just came off as an ama- he had just come off an amazing match with Edge at Mania, and the fans loved him. But then he attacked mutual fan favorite and WWE workhorse oh, Tommy you, Dreamer. Trolls, don't feed the troll. <laughs> fans were confused and didn't. Tommy Dreamer. Fans were confused and didn't know who to cheer. Yes, that was it. <laughs> Mick Foley didn't even get his comeuppance in the end. This no, no, should he? <laughs> Alright, here's another good one. There's actually a couple of uh, more random ones from uh, Bad News Gurton on TPWW. I was just watching a 2002 episode of Metal on YouTube. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? And came across Heel Godfather when he carried a cane and would attack people out of the bell. I'd totally forgotten about this run. Fuck, was that bad? At least like a yell pimp ain't easy when he was a babyface. Sorry, when was this? This was two thousand and two. This was after. This was the early stages of the brand extension. I remember this. He, oh, he, I don't remember this at all. He came back. He came back as a babyface at the Rumble. Did nothing yeah. for a few months. They did the, the whole thing about how he gone legit. I guess he was running a real escort service in real life. So they were. Oh, he had a strip club. They were announcing he's gone legit, and then he turned heel, saying no one paid for his hose. <laughs> What happened? What happened to the love? <laughs> and he just started beating up people with his cane. He should have had like ugly hose. Or, yeah. Or hose of STDs. <laughs> Big fat ugly. Yeah. yeah. Where's Bertha Fay? Nia Jax. Hey, come oh, on you now. Nia Jax. <laughs> New York's New Jersey is on my side, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I have no recollection of it at all. Well, here's one. Did, did, did they do it on? Smackdown. Oh God, no! This was this was B show, all the way. I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, I'll 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 take your word for it. Um, bad news, Gertner, because I'm really not going to go on YouTube and look up all the episodes. <laughs> Here's one that I have gone up to look at, and it's quite sensational. If it's eligible, he says, I like to include Kemper Terror as a babyface in 1987. The whole basis for his face turn was that Bobby Heenan didn't visit him in jail. <laughs> <laughs> you seen those videos? The Kempatera in jail videos. With the cell just closed as he sat there. They are among the worst things that the WWE has ever done in terms of just sheer shitty quality. And for someone to insinuate that Bobby Heenan got him thrown in jail and misrepresented him. I don't know, maybe it's just me. I always feel like his prison sentence was a bit harsh. For for attacking a cop? Oh, he did attack the cop. I'm I'm just thinking about throwing something through a McDonald's window. Oh, I forgot about the, the cop. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. He attacked a cop who I think was like the niece of like one of the police chiefs or something like that, so that was really oh, quite a bad move. Yeah. Who also happened to be related to the state attorney general. <laughs> yeah. Um not good. But again, awful. And he, as a baby face, you watch some of those old uh, those old shows like this guy's got uh, no uh, fucking right. fan support whatsoever. <laughs> well we've we've all seen that promo, haven't we? Which one's this? The one with him and oh. Oakland. Oh, where Oakland can't just can't keep it together. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's the worst. It's a, it's a real treasure. Yeah, I might watch that again after this, actually. Bomber Pat on the UK fan form with another one here. I have to make a case for Dusty Rhodes joining the NWO. Largely because, outside of one decent promo, it served no purpose whatsoever other than Dusty getting to hang out with the cool kids. He couldn't have been more odds with the NWO in terms of their style, their goals, and so on, and would have been much better of a fit for Larry Zabisco's role of the veteran babyface defending WCW against the Invaders. Yeah, Dusty in the NWO... A characteristically bad fit. Yeah. If you wheel. Yeah, when you think about WCW and the notion of tradition and history and heritage and all that sort of thing, Dusty ticks all the boxes for that, not the NWO. 
and let's be honest he didn't look good in an NWO shirt how about the leather jacket no Uh, and again why you're not going to do anything well that's it it's it's another one of the, the company's decisions which again they didn't give a lot of thought to beforehand and didn't think of it as significant enough to give much thought to it afterwards was it just was it his idea sorry Carl I'm, um, I'm saying it's, it's his idea to lobby to get a, a match it's, a, it's entirely possible that within that company he just went to someone and said I want to be on TV a bit more let me join the NWR sure thing the, Dust yeah that seems the way the politics of that would have worked rather than someone going out of their way to handpick Dusty we've got this role for you that doesn't seem <laughs> to happen be perfect that doesn't it. seem to happen at all in this company yeah. no. this is you've got to shout and you know have your thumb up someone's ass to get a push is that a saying? It is now. It is now. Yeah. I mean, Dust, Jeff Farmer didn't cut it as a fake sting, but you, you in the black and white. You're next on the list, buddy. Money. <laughs> um, just to, to draw on the other point from the email, though, yes, there are boxes that Dusty would tick for the, sort of the WCW portrayal, but I wouldn't have wanted to see anyone in the NWO at that point selling for the bionic elbow. No, and that's no what would have happened. Oh, absolutely. Well, not everyone. Obviously, Hogan, Nash, and Hall wouldn't have sold for it. But you know. where's Vincent? You have some jobbers like Virgil can sell mm-hmm. the bionic elbow, and then you have the big boys break his arm. They yes, may... break the bionic elbow. Break the bionic elbow. They may have already done that. Did they? <laughs> the old horseman there. The old horseman following to the pet. No one remembers that. So do it again. <laughs> no one remembers that. Well, no. yeah. I'm in favour of copying what's worked, not doing the exact opposite of what's worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And making him a heel. Yeah. <laughs> no. Statute limitations, I suppose, yeah. You mentioned before about how he wouldn't fit the role of Jeff Farmer uh, too well. <laughs> Sting Mon gets a couple of nominations here. Brother Vito deleted on TPWW forum says, Sting had a heel turn in 1999 that always stood out in my mind as being really terrible. He was headed towards a title match at Four Brawl 1999 against Hogan. Who do you trust? Who had himself recently turned face and gone back to his red and yellow trunk-wearing days, and this is coming up on the timeline in the next couple of weeks, by the way, after the NWO died out. So Sting and Hogan finally had mutual respect from one another after years of being rivals. That didn't sit well with Luger, who tried to drive a wedge between them. Luger kept telling Sting that Hogan was untrustworthy and reminding Sting of all the times he'd been double-crossed in the past. Ultimately, Sting was the one to turn and he sided with Luger. It just didn't work out at all. The crowd had zero interest in booing Sting, the one guy they'd reliably been able to cheer from the beginning of the company. He kept getting cheered and the whole thing bombed. Sting was back to being a face by November, at which point Luger turned on him because of course he did. (laughs) Because eventually with Sting everybody does. Vastardakai on TPWW forum backs it up and says this heel turn, complete with a hilarious video the day after, trying to claim that Sting was to blame for being the Hummer driver, NWO Sting, Vince Russo signing with WCW, the finger poke of doom, inspiring the guy from Twins to pull Ron Gant off first base, childhood cancer and the rise of the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> Maybe the clues were there all along, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh sorry, you got another you got, you got one to follow up yeah I was going to say GPW Christian Zane uh, this follows on from this on the UK fan forum says Sting joining the main event Mafia on Impact uh, is another one I didn't really like Sting in the Mafia because he didn't really fit with the others and then lost to Foley in one of the worst cage matches I've ever seen then later he's a heel conspiracy theorist knocking the shit out of RVD who had just debuted only for it to turn out that Sting was right all along (laughs) yeah so anyway, Sting being a heel in general, getting some uh, some sour reviews there. But the one in 1999 that we are going to talk about in the Monday Night War timeline in the next couple of weeks, very interesting, poor choice 
for uh, for what to do. And again, on turning on Hogan at that point, no yeah, one's booing that. No, no, yeah, Hogan Hogan hasn't exactly garnered the sympathy that's required for uh, for such a term. But I, I did find it funny that you know they, they find another way to to worm the white hummer back into it and all that palaver. It's, yeah. it's just a a poor well. Is is this just an, a good indication at this point of how much Bischoff had just stopped caring, and the fact that he wasn't there most weeks anyway? So, uh, what what can I do? Scrambling around. Ah, one thing we haven't done is turn Sting heel. Let's just do that. I listen, I have no rational explanation for why anyone would think this was a- literally. Yeah, I my gut feeling would be they literally one day we need a list of things we haven't done before. The only the the only <laughs> deep in the recesses of my brain, it's Hogan's going to turn Sting heel so he can get his win back from Super Bowl, and that's it. That absolutely strikes um, me as something that could have happened. Yeah, I can I can one hundred percent believe that. Um, but yeah, no one no one cared. <laughs> um, those that did care just cheered Sting anyway. And like I say, by November he's in a terrible feud with. Luger where he reveals all his old traits anyway because he gets conned by Luger, conned by Liz and then he disappears until February. It's his, it was his usual sort of, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas break. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a religious holiday, Carly, has to be away. This WCW company sounding a bit of a, a bit of a place to be in 99. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, Come on, everybody, gather around and look at the flaming wreckage. <laughs> Don't be shy, crowd around. Look, warm your hands. Kids are dying. (laughs) Another good one here. Bytor on WrestlingForum.com says, Ahmed Johnson had called off a lot due to his constant injuries, but joining the nation killed him for good. To make matters worse, he's back to being a babyface again within a few weeks. And CS from Pro Wrestling only says, Ahmed Johnson joining the nation only for them to turn on him within weeks. Two turns from the same guy in the span of a month or so. Just awful. Back to being a babyface again, ironically enough, because... He got injured again, whilst he was a heel. <laughs> yes, I believe his first week on the job as a heel. Yeah, in a schmaz with the Disciples of Apocalypse and Los Barricos. Yeah, yeah. so this was a bad one, because Ahmed's whole babyface shtick... I thought Ahmed... I liked Ahmed versus the Nation. I, oh, not exactly uh, saying it was it was Flair no, Steamboat. No, 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 and, and, as, and as reckless slash t- terrible as Ahmed Johnson was in the ring at times, it was, it was over. Yeah, it was over. Now, you, you can argue that WCW wasn't doing gangbusters business. How over was it? But you know, in terms of the people that turned up to the show, they cheered it. You know, they all went along with him whilst he's sort of muttering or gurning what sounded like you're going down. <laughs> you know, but yeah, the the, the shtick was working. Yeah, and yeah. They that, always tease that he had gang roots. I loved him turning heel. I thought the sight of them all together—they look fucking ace. They look like these. Bad motherfuckers that you don't want to cross. I I like Ahmed's a scary dude, man. Uh, him together with Farouk's like this. Actually, I like this as a heel force. This feels pretty good. And then he gets fucking injured again. They beat him up. They whip him. They make him like a complete tit. And then he's got no sympathy because it's like you. So all this time you joined the, the heels and they kicked you out because you're shit. <laughs> he was <Wow>. done. <laughs> he was yeah. done after that. Yeah, well, he was he was gone from the company less than a year later. Yeah, that was the end of Ahmed. Um, awareness on WrestlingForum.com says I always thought Crush going from Hawaiian cool dude to evil Japanophile made no sense and how he turned on Macho Man of all people while aligning with a guy who put him out however 
I did like Japan of our crush, so I let it slide, he says. I've I've more done Kona Crush to be honest. I like Kona Crush. But at least he got a running savage out of the heel turn. He did. And remember the, the, the Savage Crush Summit, Carl? How political of the WWF at that time. Well, you know, trailblazers that they are. <laughs> yeah, in every facet of the business. Um, unlike yourselves, I never really cared for Hawaii Crush either. Oh, his colours were so bright. He crushed heads. Yeah. He lost to the evil clown. Well, that's not his fault. Well, there are two of them. At least. <laughs> it was an illusion. <laughs> Bill Alfonso. <laughs> yeah. I can't see anyone in the ring, Daddy. Right yeah. there in the middle, Daddy. Get <laughs> on here's a little bit more recent. We're talking about a lot of old school ones. Here's one there for more recent times. Seth freaking Rollins gets a nomination here from Kawada Smile on Pro Wrestling Only saying, Does Rollins coming back from injury uh, to a huge ovation and still being treated as a heel count? If not, his horrible face turn when Triple H fucked him over and joined with Kevin Owens should. Months of him being a bitter asshole to everyone and his motivation being, I'm not being favoured everything anymore, so everything sucks. It's a double whammy. Supremo on UK Fanform really gets rolled upon this one and says, Seth Rollins turning babyface in the lead-up to his WrestleMania match against Triple H is easily the worst turn of all time. To this day, I'm still convinced that someone was sabotaging him on purpose. It left his character in tatters, and it was only his performances these last few months that's made him feel like he's back on track. Whoever came up with the concept should have been sacked on the spot. Triple H, his best mate at the time, simply decides to handpick Kevin Owens instead. Seth didn't even come to any type of realisation himself. There was no story or character arc, he didn't have some huge change of motive. There wasn't any grand moment where he proved he was a goodie after all. He was just a bad guy who other bad guys decided to bin off. How is anyone supposed to feel sympathy or support for such a loser? He acted a prick for ages, then all of his dickhead mates decided to go with someone else instead. So you're still a prick, just a prick with no friends. <laughs> Some babyface. Then he lost and lost and lost. Every month he'd face Kevin Owens, and every month he'd lose. So not only is he still not giving us a single reason to cheer him, but now he's been continually outsmarted by Jericho and Owens. Again, you're not a babyface mate, you're just a shitter heel than the guys you're facing. The biggest crime though is the NXT invasion angle. That should have been dynamite, but was anything but. The idea of someone feuding with Triple H and invading a takeover event to fuck with him is such an awesome concept. Imagine if a properly defined character did it and caused complete havoc. It'd be incredible. Instead, we got Seth jumping the rail, threatening to take over the show, only to be easily removed by security never to return. All in the space of about 10 minutes. What a fucking wally. I'm sure there were other moments of ridiculousness. Didn't Steph's, uh, Stephanie McMahon stop Seth from entering the Royal Rumble, which he just accepted like a complete chump? And didn't Hunter and Samoa Joe continue to batter him every single week leading to Mania? It was so tone-deaf from beginning to end. Honestly, he may as well have lost to Triple H at Mania, because by that point, he was dead in the water regardless. The only thing stopping that version of Seth Rollins from being the worst babyface of all time is the 2018 booking of Roman Reigns. But it was the worst turn by far. Uh, we actually got a couple more for this. Geronimo Jack's beard on the UK fan forum says, Well, that's Seth Turn. It really felt at the time that like they missed the boat with making him baby. It came too late in a nonsensical fashion. It seemed, when we got shelved with such a horrid injury in the midst of a long title run, that the crowd were properly, properly gutted for him, being the champ, missing WrestleMania and all of that. The whole redesign, rebuild, reclaim seemed to add to it, and I was imagining he was going to get the big hype job on just how much he was rehabbing like a man possessed, how much this meant to him, chronicling his road to recovery, back to the championship, just like Triple H in 2002. You know the one. Triple H went out there as one of the top heels. He turned face just from being absent in the tone of those videos. He returned a hero and seeming as big a deal as he ever had, at least for a bit. 
And anyway, Arch Unleashed on WrestlingForum.com says the execution, booking, and reasoning were some of the worst I've ever seen, and it killed all of his momentum. He was angry because he wasn't Triple H's spoiled bitch anymore, and he went on to have one of the most boring title feuds ever with Owens. Triple H being absent didn't help matters either, and it took him a year and a half to regain his momentum. Um, true, all true. Especially the, 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 the premise that, yeah, you've got, you were the entitled chosen guy and then you're not anymore and that's, that's your, that's that's your reason. Turn. That's a terrible reason. That's, that's Ahmed Johnson joining the nation <laughs> and then going back because they kicked him out because, I don't know. Um, yeah, you left the shield. Yeah, but, but at the same time... Which we all loved. At the same time, uh, I thought his heel run was horribly handled and he was presented horribly as in that too so yeah, it was very much me in that same tone of just terrible terrible booking of a guy who's got a lot a lot of talent and I'd say it's the, the rehab for him for me is it's the association was the association with Ambrose for a little bit it was the he comes across as likeable for the first time again um, but it's uh, I, yeah it's, it was I, I don't know I was just the thing was as bad as it is, it's worse. I just remember Triple H cutting a promo on Raw. It was like fucking so good. Oh god! Is this like the standard Triple H burial promo? It, it was the I am so tired of everything I do for this company, and then an ungrateful little bastard like you comes along and and fucking thinks he deserves something when you were gifted everything you're ever given. It's like yeah, yeah. And kick his ass, Triple H. Yeah. Come back out of time and fucking lamp this tosser. Yeah, Triple H, that thing is great. Better than everyone else, but it's okay. Let's think about this for a second. Yeah, he's actually right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think um, not, not that I not that I disagree with the whole premise of, of the face turn being a failure because it's the baby face whinging about why he's not being given the benefit of the doubt in a, in a manner which is befitting a heel I think it's just that I think a large part of the frustration with Rollins stems from the initial return because as Kieran had said when he when he won the belt any initial momentum he had there was quickly pissed away by the way his promos much like when he was a ba when, when he was a baby face would come across as whiny and complaining and you know there are there are heels that can get away heels that can sort of play that role your world champion doesn't not not to that extent and then as world champion he was losing every week on TV now yeah, again the, the old company argument wins and losses don't matter but yes they do to someone like me <laughs> to someone like me watching it your world champion doesn't lose on TV every week I think at one point the um, what's that for you what kind of champion is it well the, the, the uh, Rey Mysterio champion um, what kind I, of champion was he <laughs> I think the observer we're running a talent. I think he he had something like two wins and eighteen losses. It was it was that may be slightly exaggerated, but it was something lu absolutely ludicrous. Um, so he'd been horribly mishandled before the babyface turn, and like I said, I think the frustration comes from the fact that he gets the injury. All the terrible things they've done with him prior to that can be dismissed because this opportunity has fallen into their laps. You do the the, the Triple H return with the video package it's, it, it's there it's ready made for you you don't have to do anything drastic anything outside the box it's all just so easy and straightforward you just bring him back 
as the baby face there and then. But they don't. Bring him back to the baby face. Triple H and Seth are there welcoming with open arms. It's just going to be like old times buddy. And Seth's like, nah. Nah. And then he rebels against them and, and Triple H is pissed and then fucks him over somehow. And then Seth's on his road to try and get him for Mania. That's it. That's, that's all you need. That's it's, it. it. You know, it's, it's almost... It's almost like the company sits there and goes, no... No, this is this is too simple. This this is too straightforward. We need it to be different. We need to think outside the box. No, no, just just go with this formula. Yes, it's it's predictable and it's sort of tried and tested, but it works, and it would have worked a hell of a lot better than what they ended up doing. It's like this, the Rollins thing. Because the thing is, it was always it was never it never came. It was never presented as. The true man, the, the top ma- star yeah. of the company. He was a main eventer. He was a sorry man. He was a mid card, mid card guy, one of the cyclable guy. As the champion, that was the gimmick. It's a terrible gimmick. Everyone said it yeah. at the time. It's a terrible gimmick. But then you keep that position in on the return as well. So he's just now he's he should have been. The problem is he should have been the superstar who the company were holding down on his return. That. Um, in, in, uh, the way it's perceived anyway as in the, the Steve Austin the, the guy who's mm. bigger than the company and the company want to hold down but you, the, no one is allowed to be presented that way in that company anymore no it's the company of the stars the man's of the stars and everyone the, the show revolves around that that carousel and it's it, it doesn't it doesn't work it just it comes heel or face it's going to cross the subservient to Triple H the, the, the real main event the real star and it's, it's not him it's, it's everyone yeah. it's, so where the, the company Owens was, was the same when they did it exactly. with Owens that's took that spot. Spot. Owens yeah. was the same yeah. then they have that feud and it's two McCarders fighting over the title this week. who gives a fuck exactly yeah there's not real no one cares to, sit, to see which one appeases dad the most what, yeah, what does it mean it doesn't mean anything so it's half it was on him the presentation the, the, the whininess it was come across as you're not proper, you're not an actual star you're a wannabe Yes, and he comes back, and he shouldn't be a wannabe. He's fucking. He comes back, and he's now going to make it on his own. He's got everything, you know, balls to the wall. He's going to nothing can stop him now. He's going to do it for himself. He's, he can only trust one person. You know, you, you live, you're born on your own. You get injured on your own. You die on your own. Fuck it, I'll win this title on my own too. But no, because that says you don't, the individuals don't need the company, and you cannot, 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 in this environment say they don't need the company. You can't do that. All the wrestlers need the company. That's the thing. The company doesn't need. Yeah, it's exactly. not the company needs the wrestlers. It's the wrestlers need the company. Company makes stars. This, yeah. Oh, Kurt Angle needs this job because he's piss poor without it and he sucks. Yeah. Big Show can't get a job in the real world unless he's a pro wrestler. Sean was broke up at one point, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> fucking. It's like but you think back to again the Austin McMahon stuff, and at one point they, Austin, Vince said he's not going. I'm not going to fire because you can make money for me, but yeah. you're, but you're going to do it on my terms. Uh, hey, there you go it's sad it's done it's yeah. fine he's going he's to keep him around he want, he's valuable he knows he's valuable but he wants to control him control him the top star he can't yeah the theme is he can't the control the premise is all, all wrong it is it's, it's all wrong Noid on TPWW with a second one saying also in the less serious basket the Miz's face turn whenever that was is so memorable for how unmemorable it was I can't even tell you what he did during that period of time or when it was I seem to remember him beating Wade Barrett at a Wrestlemania pre-show which I guess would have to be 28 or 29 for a one day IC title reign it didn't do any long term harm to the business or anything and I don't even think it really warrants discussing but I just think it sucked there's one to be blanked out of the memory, blank, uh, memory banks and this time it's not because you're chronic 
like alcoholism, old man Jones. So there you go. You get a special shout out there. <laughs> Miz is a babyface in terms of conception. Yes. <laughs> Goes without saying, probably not much to expand upon. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Loose Cannon TBWW form says, Brutus Beefcake turning out to be the guy who kept taking out Hulk Hogan in WCW and then fucking main eventing Starcade 94 was pretty horrific. This is the transition from Brother Brutai to the Butcher. See, so is this the turn which I'm sure most people say gives a fuck? Yes. Or is it just the, the push? The principle of the push. I, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's the principle is the issue, and I'm wholeheartedly on board with having an issue with the principle. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm out of principles. The well, the, well let's let's face it. it. It went on to lead to such glorious things as the Yeti, the Zodiac. Well, it started with the three faces of fear card with Kevin Sullivan, Avalanche, and the uh, and the Butcher. Yeah, oh, oh, and and don't forget. Final solution. You wait, wait. Hang on. Can't really go with that. No, nope, no. Nope. Uh, change it. Change Dial it. Dial it back. Yeah. Uh, Boss Rock on Pro Wrestling Only's got a couple here. I remember one I absolutely hated when I was younger was Matt Hardy turning on Jeff in 2009. Being a huge fan of Jeff, seeing him chase the title for a year, finally get his big win, and then drop it almost immediately to do this feud with Matt while we got another Orton Triple H match at Mania was infuriating. Well, he did burn down the house and killed his dog, apparently. <laughs> That was fucking turd. I'm with. I'm, I'm on this one. These, the, yeah, the matches between these two never worked either. No. This. Unless there's fireworks involved, these two don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, um, uh, I mean, the term in V1 got over. So, he, he Matt as a heel is heel Matt. Not... Yeah, heel Matt years before. I think this specific one because this again, I, I, I empathise because I was all about Jeff Hardy and still am. But I love. I love. Hardy at this particular point I thought it was awesome he's like so fresh so organic as a, as a top baby face people loved him and the talk at the time was they were going to have Edge and Christian Christian had just come back from TNA from his excursion there and the whole talk was Christian's going to be the mystery attacker of Jeff and it's going to be Edge and Christian against the Hardys and that was the plan until Vince said fuck Christian <laughs> and, uh, and that was pretty much the end of that and so the, the, the backup I guess was Matt turns heel cost Jeff the title and like you said just Amounts in, to an interminable feud that a whole never lot of worked. nothing and they, not, again no one ever believes that Matt burned down Jeff's house killed his like, you know and then this is after that great scene on Smackdown too where the fireworks shot Jeff in the face inspiration for what was to come well they, they hadn't learned from it the first time you know they, they tried it in 2001 and it didn't work then yeah, it was another terrible turn I mean admittedly I think that one only lasted about four weeks didn't it because yeah. then it just became sort of a uh, a bit of the collateral damage of the Undertaker heel turn but you know again how about that yeah. one by the way yeah and take a turning by making Jim Ross kiss Vince's ass saying that no one's kissed more ass than he has doesn't matter that, that promo doesn't make any sense <laughs> he, about? He basically, well he gets in the ring talks <laughs> about how the person who kissed your ass the most was me and how degrading it feels so then he's going to make JR kiss Vince's ass and then in turn metaphorically at least goes on to continue kissing Vince's ass yeah it's stupid it doesn't make any sense and a lot of people were hurt in the process yes they were possibly literally and creatively yeah fucking yeah that, that's, a, that's a bad run that's a bad oh. run um, but yeah it, the warning signs have been there before with the Hardys and yet they still chose to revisit it 
yeah foolish just, just break them away from each other and let them do their own thing it's fine um, Boss Rock also suggests AJ Styles' heel turn in 2010 that led to him becoming the new nature boy with <laughs> 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 his mind cast back around the table just a really bad fit for him I've actually hated all of AJ's heel runs with the exception of the Bullet Club and his turn in WWE seemed like he had a much better idea of who he wanted to be and how to convey that on the microphone more recently but yeah that that whole put him in the robe and the little fucking yeah. highlights in his hair and the earring fortune uh, horrible <laughs> it's just a, it's just a horrible period in time isn't it I know, that, that TNA when Hogan and Bischoff first get there and everything changes it's like oh no what are they doing with AJ Styles and those, and those fans first concern was the change of the ring yeah priorities people priorities <laughs> yeah not, 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 not a good one Certainly not the worst of all time, but not a, not a good one. But in poor taste. <laughs> yeah. Richard Fox, speaking of poor taste, says, Looking back, Goldust saying he's not gay, therefore turning babyface, is certainly bizarre to say the least. It was the style of the times. Yeah. It was a bad, bad decision to turn him babyface. Yeah, that didn't work. But, you know, you you got to keep the village voice happy. Is it the village voice? <laughs> it was the village voice who we were not happy. But, you know, it's like the whole idea of the cat. It's like you can't do that for a year and then just click your fingers and say... Not gay or not queer, I guess was the words that were used well, by Jerry yeah, Lawler. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, aren't you? Am, uh, I, am I what? Oh, God. I think I should drag that out for what felt like a good 20 minutes. It was probably more like three, but. Ugh. Yeah. He says no and punches him in the face, and that's the big turn. Yeah. And now he's a family man. Yep. And don't we all fucking. Triple H trying to crack onto his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's go to another good one here. <laughs> Actually, speaking of TNA, Tom Campbell, Cadillac of a Man on the Facebook page, says Bully Ray joining the Aces and Eights in TNA was a bad turn for me. Bubba as a solo heel was great, don't get me wrong. But the fact they had to devote an entire episode of Impact to explain all the continuity errors, sorry, I mean, the grand plan all along, shows just how little they thought it through. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a fan of the Aces and Eights. Aces and Eights sucked. Um, what I, a terrible, <laughs> terrible top angle. It was so... It was so... And we're back in 2010 TNA territory, aren't we? It was so bad. This is 2012, I was think. Was it 2012? I'll say 2012. Well, it's just one whole hazy mess of a period of <laughs> Orange <time>. blur. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this was so bad that the company didn't even do a vignette burying it. Have you seen that the, the, no. the funeral of Aces and Eights? No, I've never seen. It. Of course, I haven't seen it. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's it's it's, sure out, it's out there. It's, it's out intentionally there. burying them because in their minds, probably not. But that's how it comes across. <laughs> well, elaborate. It, I, might, I, it I, might have been like a heartfelt tribute because they, they love this <laughs> it's, so much. It's, it's half-assed eulogies. I think one of them just dumps a, a four-pack of beer into one to a coffin or something. It's just. I do vaguely remember actually. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it's, uh, I think. I think Mike Tenay for some reason manages to glom on there and do some sort of sarcastic eulogy. It's just, it, it's a it's a poor angle that sort of nicely sums up the period in time. Yeah, like oh, that fucking angle was everywhere. It was all over the show. They thought that this was shit hot. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of what, what, who like bikes what in do, wrestling. What doesn't yeah, say? Sh- yeah, that's odd, isn't it? Yeah. What doesn't say shit hot like Taz, D'Lo Brown, and Devon in leather jackets? Devon looked really prominent too. It was like the yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. Some, yeah, yeah. Anderson was in there at some point, making it really fucking. Was he? 
tip top Brooke Hogan's involved in all this and then of course as he's a segue back obviously just lamenting aces and eights here but Bully Ray who on his own was actually like really good as a heel yeah, really during fresh, that time very, very fresh very yeah, old school in a great way yeah. loved him on the show and then just to kind of stick him in this group it's like you took away so much I couldn't care less <laughs> couldn't care less this is one of the bigger bigger hitters and actually only got really one nomination but Harmonic Generator on the UK fan form says my pick is Randy Orton's face turn in 2004 I liked Orton before then the RNN news updates were fun the Legend Killer stuff was cool and he had one of the better runs of the period with the Intercontinental title then they have him win the belt and go full sympathetic goody overnight I just lost interest in Orton and to be honest I've never managed to get it back nothing he's done since has really grabbed me and it all goes back to the sour taste of that terrible terrible face turn and again it's similar to a few we've had the, the emphasis is the heel group rejected you no you're not good enough for the heels why would anyone want to cheer you now it's just like, he was so hot as well he was the, the, the he legend felt like he could stuff, be yeah, legend killer stuff was fucking great um, it's, he, that was such an yeah really engaging character again the potential what's this guy going to be oh my god they finally got sour again and then a month I, I don't mind the idea of the heel group turning on him because he's clearly gathering momentum and he's potentially a threat to the way in which they want to run things so that so to, to try and cut him off of the I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with that I think a lot of the sour taste for me with the Orton turn is not necessarily what happens on Raw the next night it's it's what follows on after it because he is just buried very deep I think he can be the heels can reject the face reject the newly turning face but there needs to be some kind of dynamic with the crowd getting behind the guy so they actually they will gravitate to it they they have a reason being aligned with the heels should be the only reason they're not cheering in theory and then as soon as that's if you just reject the guy for without the external driver then it's just it's faceless a faceless turn that people don't want what the what (laughs) earlier in that same show he comes out as a complete prick burying the town (laughs) like I beat Benoit yeah I if if you if you're desperate to to have a quick turn to get to the match Unforgiven think about that statement yeah well no yeah you're going to turn yeah, the highest prospect yeah. you've got against one the biggest star who projects himself as a big star I, I'm not, for a minimum for a B show I'm, the fuck I'm, it, it's not right it's not right I'm not I'm not trying to suggest it's right but if if as the company you're determined to do that in the same way that you're determined to have Rikishi run over Austin and the like if, if you're set on that's what you're going to do then at least the first night you do what they ended up doing the following week Orton spits in his Where face. Orton spits in his face because Triple H demands he hands the belt over to him. That would be more in keeping with the hierarchy of the group. So then the be- the, the turning babyface, you know, just laughs or sort of you know, throws everything back in his face. The notion of the hierarchy of the group. Screw you! I'm the champion. I'm the legend killer. Oh look who's in this group: Triple H and Rick. And off to the races we go. Mm. You know, if you're dead, if you're dead, dead set for doing that. Yeah, we'll buy Unforgiven. Then, yeah, there, there are even, like I said, I'm not, de- <laughs> I'm not defending the fact that it was such a quick turnaround. It's just that 
even if that's the time frame you're working with, there's still better ways to do it than they did. That's true. Just think about the idea that they wanted him to be the top babyface and they were going to have him lose the belt the month he got it. And then, oh, we'll build you up for WrestleMania. Sure we will. Orton fucking, he took it. <laughs> then when you can't be arsed anymore, I wouldn't be either. Here's a good one. The Luke Edwards on Facebook says... As opposed to a Luke Edwards. Yes, the, the. Dignitary of the Oaken Table. Okay. Michael Cole. An insufferable run, he says. Due to his consistent position as announcer, polluted everything in the WWE for two fucking years. And uh, Jake Starkweather on Facebook also says Michael Cole is one of the worst due to it being a gimmick played out over the entirety of every show and every pay-per-view that he was on. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty good show. It, it's not the the worst ever, and it's I, one I always, of the least I enjoyable. Always, I always sort of have the caveat of it in the sense of Michael Cole was never never really a baby face in the, in, the, in the perception of the fans he was never a baby face was he Re- realistically so because, because, because he was the, he was he was clearly the and maybe fans shouldn't care as much and maybe people will think I'm reading too much into this but I disagree fans resented the fact that Michael Cole is who Vince wanted to be the commentator when they still wanted Jim Ross so he was never he was never liked but as you say, Liam, it was one of the the most un, is unenjoyable, the right word to use, most dislikable ones because it does permeate everything on the show because it's non-stop. There is no, there is no break from it. There is no pause. There's no sort of sense of, of, of relief where you can get away from it. It's just always there. And then when it, to the, and because it flies in sort of the natural order of the wrestling commentator you want your commentator to have credibility the commentator doesn't have credibility if he's just a complete heel shill yeah yeah you leave commentator he turns into a colour commentator he's a colour commentator your colour commentator can be that but not your play by play not your host that's welcoming you to the show no the lead commentator needs to be needs to be neutral really with these face ten leanings that you're representing the thoughts of the crowd you're Presenting what the crowd should be thinking yes. when they see what's happening, and so that's why it's, any comments are made need to be legit. And that's why you, you need a, a, a clear line who's a face and who's a heel on commentary, which is a problem I've got with Graves right now. Oh yeah, right now the dynamic is he's, so he's, fucked. He's, he's all over. It's frustrating because Graves is clearly the most capable in terms, uh, of, in terms of being a commentator. I think. In that company, he's, he's, who's, who's, who's better? He's, he's good. I uh, maybe, well, maybe McGuinness actually. But, uh, I don't. But I. But, uh, but it's not. It's not. A, it's not a brilliant crop of commentators. I, I think Graves is, is is the best of a very very bad bunch. <laughs> yeah, we've got fucking the Byron Saxtons, Percy Watsons, bloody Tom Phillipses of this world. It's terrible. What's terrible. The, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. So most of them are just faceless shills. Who it's they're not authentic yeah. when they talk, but. Yeah, Graves has got authenticity when he talks. Cole has now through tenure, but when you've got these, when there's no clear defined lines and you're flip flopping, what's real? You need one voice that what is real because that's what how, what the counteracts to the heels are. The, 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 one, the one that's above the fray. You know, you need to see where the line yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. You need to see where the line is to know what side yeah. things are on. You got Cole popping for Elias and Graves hating him and stuff like that. Yeah, like, so this could, is just the fucked up dynamic. Yeah, the current dynamic is completely fucked, and that's. It's the knock-on is where well, it's come from the crowd and they're catering towards it, but they're exacerbating it too. But in terms of cut the cold heel turn, yeah, I mean, 
as a character, it was as a character, it was the right thing for him because he was hated. Yeah. But in that position, he shouldn't have been a commentator. No. He turned him. He, he, has, he has to leave the booth and the be manager. basically a manager. Yeah. Um, so, and it was it was, it was insufferable. And, and the it fact didn't even get a payoff out of it either. And, and, and the, and a real one. And the fact that it goes beyond just being a heel commentator to the fact of it's starting to dominate shows in terms of the build to mania. And, oh yeah, and all the shenanigans that went with that. And Jerry Lawler's promo was like was just his promos in general made that. Anyway, was, Lawler was and, fucking and, and, ace. And, and, and you got build. and you got the JR, you're a rat bastard, Cole, which probably got the biggest pop of anything involving Michael Cole ever. Apart from, maybe, apart from maybe the nut shot that JR gave <laughs> I enjoyed that one personally yeah I bet you did but yeah they're a, a solid solid contender mm. in terms of if, if that's your if that's your least favourite of all time I can certainly get on board I with can that. see why yeah Yeah. Uncle Zeb on the UK fan forum says I'll plump for the Undertaker's semi-turn during the post-streak Lesnar feud it felt like such an odd direction to take the character after so many years of being a stoic warrior to suddenly become a sore loser resorting to low blows and manipulating the ref to avenge a clean loss as late as it was to be attempting a tur- to turn audiences against the phenom, I could have gotten behind a full-fledged heel turn if it hadn't undermined everything we'd come to know about him. It just seemed so paint-by-numbers and half-assed, an inappropriate yet wasted detour that left an unnecessary taint on his persona. I think there are a million things you can point to that left a taint before that one, per- personally. <laughs> uh, to the end of 2001 being a, being a point <laughs> that we reference on this podcast. But... Um, I don't know. I I never really felt like they were trying to go for a quasi heel turn. That was never the way that I. Thought I they kind of were. That was never the way I interpreted. It. I always more just interpreted it as. It's, it, again maybe I read too much into it, but I, I sort of perceived it as, the the strength of Brock Lesnar in the sense that, this is the phenom. Who, is having to resort to, desperate measures like any normal man would against an absolute beast I just saw it as sort of the, the desperation as opposed to this is someone sort of partly portraying a heel I kind of saw it a bit more heelish to be know, honest I don't know how you can given the character of the Undertaker he, he cannot take those actions in a fight against a fighter and yeah. not concede, concede them as heel, heel they're shortcuts yeah so, a low blow yeah, it's, it, from it's, behind it's, after tapping out yes nah man that's heelish I, I, I mean to be honest, I, 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 the audience didn't see it that way. That's, a different, that's a different thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is a different. That's because you go back to all the stuff we've talked about, but, commentary but, 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 and the, the, word, the, the and... dynamics with which we're working, and the commentators. I don't really think really pushed it as a, as not as hard as not as hard as they have for, for a lot of heels. No big heel turns. That's the thing to me. The whole thing of this being a taint. Like I liked the fact that he did something that actually felt relevant and reactionary yeah. to what happened. I I hate the opposite. I hate that he just comes out like it's any like it's you know. Oh, here comes the Undertaker with oh, his fucking have, tombstone chokeslam, his hat, and his have, coat. And who the fuck cares what's going yeah, on have, year to year? You can see he can barely walk. No, yeah. he can't, yeah, well, he's better than he's ever been. Yeah. Oh, I, have, I have. Kissing Vince's ass, maybe. There you go. That tongue. (laughs) Right up there. That's why he does it after every match. Every nook and cranny. I'm coming for you, Vince. (laughs) You want this? Yeah, Yeah. that's gross. Yeah. So. I have far more an issue, again, with what he does next. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, Cena may well have been on board with the absolute bloody massacre at WrestleMania, but I find that far more annoying oh you went and, off on one on that and then the treatment of Rusev I find far more annoying just the general the notion of, of anybody being in the 
position of let's have Taker coming and kill him in three minutes because yeah. he's fucking decrepit <laughs> and it's plain for everybody to see <laughs> and that's all I got to say about that apparently now, the lights would go off now and Taker's music to hit for a match between Carl and Taker oh, I'd pay to watch money 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 this old bastard said he's going to kick the Undertaker's <laughs> ass <laughs> Here we go, we've got another good one here, one of the big ones, we've got a lot of feedback. Craig Atkinson on the Facebook page says, The winner for me is Flair's heel turn as Hogan turned face in March of 1999. Ruined Flair as a top draw and led nowhere. Within weeks, he was a comedy character instead of a top star. A top drawing star turned heel to placate egos, namely Hogan's, as he wanted to be cheered at a time when no one even wanted him on TV, and can be seen as a major downturn in WCW's business, which led to where we stand today with Vince having a virtual monopoly and the business has never recovered. The move didn't just ruin Rick, it didn't help Hogan, it messed up WCW and the entire industry. A thrown together concept, poor in execution, with no long term upside and led to the destruction of a company and downturn of the entire industry as a whole. Air Raid on the UK fan form says my own pick is the Hogan Flair double turn from Uncensored 99. You've already done a marvellous job on the timeline of summarising what a terrible idea both artistically and commercially it was, but let's not leave any doubts. Turning Ric Flair on its own merit, when as a babyface is one of your biggest ratings winners, is by itself a bad idea. Better as a heel Flair might be, for me and plenty of others, by 99 he's such a fixture of WCW and has been so good for so long no one wants to boo him, it just feels wrong. But it crosses the line into fuck awful when it's juxtaposed with Hogan turning babyface after nearly three years of being the biggest cunt ever. <laughs> in the Flair feud alone, the enemy repeatedly threatened Flair's livelihood, beat the shit out of him and his mates, buried him alive, whipped his son in front of him, managed to corrupt said son into betraying him through the most vile and evil of the dark arts, an attractive woman. Do I need to go on? Oh no. Flair cheated a bit to get the belt off him in a nonsensical cage first blood match. 1. Should we forgive a bit of cheating because it's Rick fucking Flair and that's part of why we love him anyway? And 2. Hogan deserves to get fucked over, surely? This isn't a heel turn, it's poetic justice. I've never known a promotion to be so out of touch with its audience than WCW was here. Except maybe about a year later when they tried to turn Goldberg too. <laughs> <laughs> And Rick Morris on the Facebook page says you can't go wrong mentioning Goldberg or Austin since they really hurt business, but the winner has to be every Flair heel turn post NWO over the next decade plus, especially from 99 on. His turns led to declining business largely because I think the fanbase felt demoralised. Nobody wanted to boom at that point, so the promotion in question, whether it be WCW, WWE or TNA, was always going against the grain of what the fans wanted, which is never good for business. Um, I thought he was alright in Evolution. Yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's good yeah. in evolution. Um, but yeah, the point that it's um, yeah, these turns are there is nothing to do with business involved with these turns. It's Hogan, his ego, the Hogan Flair one, and Flair, Flair wanted it too, and yeah, it's probably because he was bored because it, fucking it's horrible being a bay face. <laughs> Flair's taking credit for this as his idea. I'm sure yeah, he, he has. He has done. He, he's been. I think he's been quite vocal and held his hands yeah. up that this was something he was. I'm not sure if he was desperate for babyface Hogan perhaps I don't know but he's been quite unequivocal about the fact that he wanted to turn heel so he he has to take his share of the blame for this uh, thanks Rick I think that, I think that, yeah, the, the email is all, all make a very good case for why a Rick, the Ric Flair heel turn from 99 is up there and the, and the juxtaposition with Hogan is, is a, yeah, a great point to that especially given that as he says the Ridiculousness of the WCW notion of he hits him with an object in an unsanctioned match in a cage 
which has barbed wire around the top. Boo! Yeah, it's it's not exactly up there with the most heinous acts in the world, is it? It's the whole thing you come out of in the dynamic of the whole company. It's like the commentators are kind of pushing Hogan now. Uh, what? what? Uh, there yeah. is uh, bearing in mind Don't... at this point, he's Hogan is still theoretically. NWO. Mm-hmm. So it's the whole. Yeah. It just fucked Goldberg really bad. Well, <laughs> George like three months ago. It's like the whole place is thrown up in the air, and then where things land, it's going to roll up. And it, it's just the whole. It just completely dislocates the audience from this crowd. I think that's the biggest of all the fucking things they've done. This then is does really stand out as dislocating dis- dislocating the, the, the fan base from the franchise. Oh yeah, we've we've been okay. So we've been doing the timeline obviously for 1999. There is a marked difference in the vibe of the shows before they did this. It's much of a fucking clusterfuck as it was to after. Afterwards, nothing means anything anymore. Yeah. It just feels so dis- discombobulated. It makes no sense. No- nothing about this makes sense. Like, Flair's the heel. Hogan, 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 your biggest heel is now the babyface. Nothing, nothing means anything anymore. Yeah, they, I mean, nothing they, means anything ever again in this company after that. There are there are things you, you know. It, it's not to sort of brush anything that preceded it under the carpet. There are bad things that the company did prior to this. The the manner of the Goldberg streak ending, the finger poke of doom, and the, the, the whole terrible Georgia Dome show. There there were mistakes made before this, and I don't want to suggest that this. I'm, I'm not going to try and suggest this is the biggest because in the cold light day I might, I might think of something else but it's certainly one of the one of the landmarks absolutely without question I, th- I think that there's a lot of people I, I get the sense when I, especially when we did the timeline it, to me it feels like a lot of people saw that as the final straw well just look at um, after all the, the yeah the fucking thing well, gets get, fucked get, over uh, but hey you've got Goldberg and Goldberg gets fucked over and status quo and the warrior and all this fucking bullshit and it's like alright now we're finished. Yeah, well, all, all the warrior stuff is is terrible. Then you, but then you've got Flair's return in '98 as well, which, which is a sort of a fill up for the for the company, which they then go on and squander. But you sort of, you know, for all the bad sort of warrior stuff and bits and pieces like, there's there is some you can find some crumb of comfort somewhere. You know, whether it, whether it's the Flair promo and that sort of thing. You know, there are little bits you can find sort of so that you don't. You may be disenchanted, but you don't give up all hope. And by this point, as we say, I think that's you know, by that point you just sort of start thinking, well, what the hell do we do now? When Kieran and I um, sort of mused about about this one prior to prior to recording, because obviously we, we hadn't seen the list, we we imagined that the the double term would would appear on there. And uh, I remarked to Kieran, I don't have, the, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But it did a a far better buy rate than I think people remember. For February, the first match when Flair was a face. I think I think they both I think they both did one point ones. Yeah. I don't think there was a lot of difference between the two buy rates at all. Well, the Hilton was at uncensored in theory, yeah. wasn't it? The so, second so, one. But yeah, but so people had bought into that show. Oh yeah. Because they wanted to see Flair get his ultimate revenge against Hogan. In the non-sanctioned match where he can do whatever he wants to, people saying, "And it's like this dynamic, yeah." And it's and it's in it's in the cage, so in theory, no one's getting in. I know it's wrestling, but you know, the sort of the dynamic is there that people oh, are boy. are pleased with. And then by the time you get to Spring Stampede, which is a really enjoyable show, but the buy rate is down to a something like 0.72, so you know the buy rate's dropped a third. 
in a month then by the time you get to September the buy rate's half what it was in March yeah it's reverse Moore's law it's um (laughs) (laughs) I think it was it's the three month period or so leading up to it as well that really does the damage (laughs) the fuck Bill the fuck is going on the whole paradigm of this company is just fucking shook up in three months and there's no rhyme or reason you can't gravitate behind anything you're all fucking idiots yeah don't care about anything Nash Nash hugging Goldberg or whatever it was that time when when, when Goldberg got beaten down Nash came to check on him and Goldberg hugged him it's like what the fuck Bill it's going on Bill yeah it's like you've just celebrated a fucking count out victory in a title match dude yeah yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah so the whole culmination leading up to this and this really puts the fucking icing on the shit cake yeah. So, yeah Hawkeye 12 on Pro Wrestling Only says Goldberg and Ahmed were the two I thought of immediately and it's not turning heel that was so bad as much as the quick reversal back to face right back where they started with nothing gained the Road Warriors brief heel turn in late 1988 probably fits that same role but at least they finally got their deserved tag title reign out of it. The crowd wasn't going to stop cheering the Road Warriors especially when they killed the Midnight Express and Cornette who'd only barely flipped Babyface themselves to win the titles uh, as well. So yeah. No but it does it does speak to the strength of I, I agree with, with what he says there with regards to the Midnight Express then yeah, they're terribly miscast as baby faces yeah. and no one's really going to care if the road warriors beat the shit out of them yeah exactly but it speaks to the strength of sort of the love that the fans had for the road warriors that even you know, turning on Dusty didn't work mm. the spike in the you know, eye you think and... if, if anything's going to work in that company it would be turning against Dusty well it even, depends even, I know by that point Dusty sort of <laughs> yeah I was going to say yeah. if he'd have done a bunkhouse stampede they would have been even more over than ever yeah, I think um, yeah I, yeah, we're not talking you know, dusty in the early eighties. I, I grant you, but still, there's no one else that you, if you're going to try it, and it's and it's going to work in theory, it would have to be dusty. They couldn't turn on anyone else at mm. that point. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, F- failed idea, and uh, I think it was just at that point. It was just we've done so much with them mm. to try and do something to freshen it up, but it didn't work. But and again, speaking of not choosing the optimum time to put the belts on someone, they don't. Beat Tully and Arn for in Chicago. Him. In I Chicago. know, unbelievable. Yeah, didn't didn't pan out. Richie Edwards on Pro Wrestling Only says Edge from 2010. He got a huge pop at the Rumble for his return, and then his build to Mania to face Jericho with just the repetition of the word spear ad nauseum. He was always a pretty poor babyface, but this was awful. Not even so much an actual turn that happened. He just came back as a babyface to get Jericho win the Rumble. Yeah, this was a really... the surprise pop. Yeah, because it wasn't built. You know, it wasn't suggested he was going to be back. Um, but I suppose the way Jer- the way Jericho cut the promos after he the cut, injury. He cut promos, but it, it felt. I remember at the time because they yet had to be a surprise. There wasn't nearly enough foreshadowing for him coming back to be cheered. I mean, he got cheered because it was a surprise. That the old we haven't seen you in a while, pop that everybody seems yeah. to get. I mean, we, I, and I suppose we've stressed enough times on the podcast about foreshadowing or lack thereof when it comes to turns. Mm. He's being a key component. Um, but I'm not gonna. I'm not necessarily against the idea on on, on that occasion. I mean, because because he's going to get that pop, I think it's it's the program you go with. You can just do it a hell of a lot better than, as he says, revolving it around spear. Yeah, that was annoying. I'll give that. But yeah, absolutely, completely agree. Not not the way to do it. And the thing was too, Edge had been a heel and such a strong heel for so long that like it feels like when that finally when that turn finally happens, there has to be some really exciting thing to. 
you know, kind of as a catalyst and inciting incidents. That's the one. As they're known in the business. It amazes <laughs> me. Amazes me that these fucking writers call themselves writers first of all, then bang on about their story writing principles, then forget any story and writing principle in the book, pretty much. Yeah. Boggles my mind. This is not the hero with a thousand faces, Kieran. <laughs> they have not read that. <laughs> Maybe they got no fucking strong I, I, faces. I, I, I in this suppose. Uh, yeah, um, Big Show could be the hero of a thousand turns. <laughs> well, let's get to him. <laughs> he can't. Po- well, other, how can you possibly have Big Show on here? Because it would be impossible well, to pick. Be- it would be impossible to pick one. I bet it's a really bad one. Maybe it's a bunch of really bad examples. Line of the Midlands on the UK fan form says the worst turn is the Big Show turn. Which one I hear you crying? <laughs> there you go. Choose any of the 987 <laughs> of them that there have been. It's a thousand, we just established this. <laughs> when a wrestler turns, it's supposed to make you interested in them. Not one of Big Show's turns made me or anyone else give a flying fuck about the fat, useless sack of fucking shit. <laughs> Jesus. Vince is supposed to know how to book big units, but the consistent shite or booking of Big Show destroys that myth. Andrew LaSalle on the Facebook page says, For me, the worst ones are ones that I've just forgotten about. Like, let's say, 67% of the Big Show's turns. He'll be off TV for a while and then come back like the previous turn just didn't happen. Chris Longstaff says, Also, surely it's the worst of any of the 826 turns that Big Show has made and the thread killer on pro wrestling only says can we add a subcategory for those who have turned so often that it's pretty much killed their career and made the fans lose all interest in them for the most part we're looking at you big show the first time ever heel face turns are only effective if you're emotionally invested in the character if they redeem themselves by doing something heroic or hurt the fans by turning their back and doing something selfish if the character has flip-flopped so many times that nobody cares about the person anymore just expecting them to turn again what's the point? I think at some point do you think it'll come out that like Big Show is bipolar? <laughs> it should do and, like that's a great is there, is there with Dinsmore in like some kind of I don't know <laughs> hospital or well, you know how, how, how football players and their contracts can have an appearance fee bonus or a goal bonus, things like that. Do you think he's got a turn bonus? Ooh. That makes sense. You know, just just something for us all to, to ponder. It, it, we can't even just blame Vince for this one, can we? Because he, he turned five or six times in WCW. He was, you know, he was screwed over. Well, he should have turned by default because Hogan became a heel and Hogan wanted the belt during the early phase of the NWO so he gets screwed out the belt then he joins the NWO then he leaves the NWO gets kicked out again yep then, then he joins Another again winner. <laughs> he, he him has, joining again he, that, he, that really he, annoyed he, me he joined for no reason it's got to have been three or, definitely three possibly more times I genuinely think you put the big shows couple of uh, entries in the NWO and uh, Dusty Rhodes's they obviously ordered a lot of oversized NWA merch and thought we've got to get this shit out <laughs> and just got a bunch of big guys in there. Yeah. Also explains the uh, the Miss NWO pageant that sold out. I think about it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so so WCW him joining the NWO the second time NWO Hollywood after being already kicked out and he joins for no reason. That was my least favorite because then he just became like a you know the fat smoking idiot after that and and they, he just meant nothing. Well, I mean, the thing is, his initial stint in the NWO, I don't think, lasts more than four months, does it? He loses no. the belt at Road Wild. He joins and then, shortly after, in September. Uh, no, sorry, I tell you, like, he, he was still with them at Starcade because it was their first big win was Luger being yeah. with when Sting drops the bat. Down. But by January, he's losing to Hogan in the main event and sold out. Yeah, kicked out of the group then, so, loses. So, so probably last, lasted, lasted around five to six months. Yeah. 
There you go. Sign of things to come. And of course, as we are doing the timeline right now, again, we're on turn number two or three already Ooh, within, within, nice. within a few months. So, yeah. Um, speaking of someone who probably gets a turn bonus, Alan Snedden on the Facebook page says, Vince Russo <laughs> turning Bret Hart heel in late 1999 WCW in order to form NWO 2000 was just a total disaster. It's hard to quantify it as a total disaster because, again, the company's dead by this point. So what can be deemed disaster, I suppose, is all relative because everything's hit the fan already. I just you think this mean? is such a bad one. It's, it's, His it's, brother's it's, died. It's, I, know. I was about to say, I was trying to think of a classic okay. way to say, okay. the only okay. thing that's died that's important is okay. his fucking suppose, brother. Suppose, Who I'm... the hell is going to boo okay. Bret Hart? All-time legend. Well, they, they, they do. What's left of them? No, well, who cares? I mean, that's just my point, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, no one no, wanted to. I, I know, I There's no money drawing. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree. It's a. I don't disagree. It's a bad decision. I'm not trying to defend the decision. I'm just saying it's all relative in the sense of the company's gone to shit anyway. I can't tell. So just, so just at this point, you're just throwing another fucking layer on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> just, it's just even to this day. To this day, end of the O2000. I got to create a genius. I, 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 have, I have no recollection of this hill thing. I completely blanked it. That's how we, so I completely agree with you. Who cares? Right. The company was dead. Right. <laughs> Jared and the Harris boys in it. Oh, there you go. Explains oh. that one. Yeah, they, they were more about the white than the black, I suppose. But that's, that's another issue. Um, but no, it's just to, to this day, it's still pain. There are days where it pains me that WCW is no longer in business. Be, just because yeah, once the timeline just, shows us just, just because you think, they think oh, it was the days when there was two companies and WWF couldn't get away with just being shit which they can now but then you watch this stuff or you're reminded of it by the emailers to the show and you think why do I miss this there's no real outside of nostalgia and the notion of there being a second company there's no reason to miss them they did this to themselves yeah. which is why I will for the death of impact because <laughs> they don't deserve to exist well now now it's a different time Don Callis is, is, is heading things so you know you never know it might get better you always got to live in hope Carl it's the hope that kills you mm. um, very quickly here Peach Chaos on Pro Wrestling only says Sergeant Slaughter's face turn after turning on his country and going to war with Hulkamania was pretty pathetic and Carpet Crawler on Pro Wrestling only says I want my country back is one of the most oft-repeated running gags I have with my friends. Yeah, it's a good one. In terms of talking about stuff that's pretty hard to redeem yourself from. Yeah! Going to war <laughs> the country is, is, is probably up there. Crazy to Lam Hussein. Yeah. It's pretty close. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> oh, I'm like sorry. A, it seemed like a good idea at the time. They were doing the things like on the house shows where like they would team with Jim Duggan. Who Jim Duggan, Mr. USA, the easiest pop in the world, and they'd still boost Slaughter <laughs> as a babyface and his team with Duggan. And this is ninety one. This is not Smart Mark era. You know, this is just people looking at this guy saying, "Fuck you, <laughs> we don't want you back, yeah. Sarge." Anyway, we've gone an hour and fifty minutes without mentioning the most obvious one on the list. Oh, possibly the most obvious one on the list. So we're going to get to it now. Jay Clark on the Facebook page says. 
Steve Austin's heel turn. Business never recovered, now that that's out the way. <laughs> uh, Niall Clark on the Facebook page says, the same one without question. I actually get why they wanted to turn him heel, but to do it at X7 in Texas, where he was a hero, and align with Vince was too much. Uh, Snitsky's back acne on the UK fan form says, it has to be Austin's at Mania 17, doesn't it? It made no sense. People hated it, and not in a good way. It made no sense. They decided to do it in Texas, and oh yeah, it still made no sense. I know they tried to explain it as Austin was willing to do anything to regain the title, but still, Austin aligning with his mortal enemy, and the guy that arranged for him to be run over and cost him a year of his career, completely shat on the previous three years of storyline. Also, Austin initially changed absolutely nothing about his act, so he was therefore still cheered because, well, that's why people cheered him in the first place. I honestly have no idea why they did it. Tiger Rick on the UK fan form says, On Austin, I didn't mind him turning. He was rotten from his return in 2000, and Rock was the guy now. Uh, the idea was the problem. The alliances with Vince and Triple H and The Rock disappearing for months killed it. They had nothing for him to work with, so a couple of months later you got him killing Benoit and Jericho at King of the Ring. Uh, Colin Bollocks on the UK fan form also says... The Austin turn is a weird one, because at the time and looking back I have fond memories of it and it was such a shock that I woke my mate up and ended up bursting the lilo he was lying on. Obviously, going by the business, a lot just didn't want it and couldn't take to it. Folk always say they didn't have a solid babyface alternative at the time which buggered it, but I just think the crowd still absolutely adored that 98-99 Stone Cold Steve Austin and were quite happy to see him do his shtick to death, even if the product was better without him. It's the complete opposite of when Hogan turned, when the red and yellow deal had completely run its course and a red band on wrestlingform.com wraps it up and says with austin don't forget the face turned back too which was arguably worse one night he's the mega heel leading the alliance against the wf at survivor series and the next night on raw he's suddenly a mega face for question mark <laughs> so it had to be discussed we saved it till last i think this is a good one to use as a benchmark to compare yeah. all others too because yeah you can't think about the worst turns in history without this coming out you can you can just pick it purely off the base of numbers you watch those buy rates plummet. The house show numbers we've talked about on the show before. Yeah, just just purely business. I, again, this is one that me and Kieran sort of talked about briefly off air. By the same token, yes, I found him and Kurt with the guitar funny. I found him eating the cookies funny. Just because I found those things humorous doesn't mean people wanted to see them. They they plainly didn't. What? Um, Austin repeating every one of Vince's last words was great. <laughs> it was, and 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 the way he'd stick it's his chest, the way the way the way the way the way he stuck his chest out during that alliance promo when Vince is talking is, again, <laughs> is, is, another, is another thing of beauty. Um, but no, it's I I I, I, I obviously I'll, I'll be accused of, of bias here, and I can understand why because I've always had a preference for. Austin over Rock but when we look at sort of rationale for the term just to pick up on, on what some of the emailers mentioned there I'd agree that the 2000 return wasn't all it could have been uh, partly for reasons we've touched upon earlier in the podcast but even then I I, th I still think when you put him and Rock together in that setting and that time period I don't think Rock's the guy I think, I think if the fans have to choose one, I think they still choose Austin at that point. And that, again, that may be my that may be my bias towards Austin. No, Perhaps no. I don't think we'll judge that. There, 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 were, there were people um, at the SmackDown tapings that would chant Rocky sucks and then there were anti-Rock signs being confiscated at shows. There were no anti-Austin signs being confiscated during that run-up to Mania. Um, and I think 
sort of in, in terms of my rationale for, for that reason and because of the fact that you know Rock is is going away for however long it's going to be to film basically he's, he's never going to be a full time ever again by that stage for me alone on that basis you dismiss any notion of turning Austin heel because you've got no one to put him against Under, <laughs> you know, you're not you know, Babyface Taker and Babyface Kane is not going to get the job done, as the numbers showed. Triple H had already squashed the notion of being. Well, that was the idea, wasn't it? It's, it's supposed yeah. to be Triple H, I but then he, he doubled down on being a heel for a while again, before, he, before he turned Babyface. Again, which, he, which never happened. And again, if if the Austin character is not going to fundamentally change, which it isn't, who who are, they, who are you going to gravitate towards in that? Situation. We've seen how bland babyface Triple H can be at the best of times. Um, and to touch upon the, the setting idea for the, for the heel turn. Yeah, in terms of execution. Yeah, yeah the thing is, I don't. I, I think I've sort of made it clear enough. Any idea of turning him heel is terrible. It's not what the fans want. E even if numbers have, have cooled off, you only have to see how bad it gets. To know that your fan base doesn't want that, but to then sit there and think, what's the worst possible place we can do it? <laughs> and you you do it at Mania, where it, it doesn't even come across effectively there because the fans are just confused. They're no, just no, they're, they're not, confused. No, no, so they know no, sure no, shit. No, they ain't doing Steve no, Austin. No, no, but they're, they're baffled <laughs> during the end of the match. Uh, and then, then when he wins they pop okay. but yeah. it's it's just it's just a complete mess it's awful it's just a it's just a it's just an all round terrible idea for all time a, for stinker a, of a for plan. a multitude of reasons for one thing it's not a it, it was it's my it's my it's my choice but it's not through lack of ability to play here by Steve. No, let's no, remember. No, no, Apart from the, I wish the, the comedy stuff is ill advised, given what he, need, he needs to be vicious. But when was it the the the, um, the angle match? You're going to yeah, say, yeah. When both SummerSlam, both guys, angle working face, Austin heel. They're both so miscast, but they are so fucking good in their roles. Unbelievable. It's one when we watched that match back, and it's like oh, this is one of my <laughs> most famous matches to watch back. This is just so. They are the fire, the intensity, especially Austin Curtis, well, that Austin as the heel is what we're talking about. He was amazing. It's just no one wanted it. No yeah. one wanted it, and people love that guy. It's a true affection to a character which you cannot piss away with some bullshit superficial storyline. Just like pro wrestling, it becomes pro wrestling. People yeah. love Steve Austin because he they felt he was real and they felt attached to him. And you, that's why Rock did get booze from time to time because when he, they, they felt maybe certain audiences felt he was over pushed remember it was at SummerSlam when he drops it to um, Brock it was prevalent and he, and he completely turns and works it people were always willing to boo Rock at a certain segment because he's good looking he's a superstar but they fucking love Steve Austin he's, he's not Rock as, as great as he is and as, as cool as he is and god damn the man shit's cool this, it's not a relatable character is it no one, yeah. no one, no one, can, no one can see themselves. He's a star, not a hero. Yeah. The, you, you, the, the no, one, no one can see themselves through the prism of rock. Because no one can be that cool. People, people <laughs> yeah. exactly, Austin's exactly. People, idolized. Austin's loved. Pe people can relate yeah. to the idea of a Steve Austin. Yeah, maybe they're not driving around the pickup truck and beating up the boss, but 
So no, those are, those, no, but those sort of those those characteristics are, are the, there in the people. Genuine, the, Austin, Austin had that genuineness come through the, the real Steve Austin because he's so comfortable with the Steve Austin character and that, the Stone Cold character. You, the sense, the little things of real character tropes come through that that's, that's him. Yeah. That's him now. He's expressed himself through this work form, but it's, it's still him. Whereas Rock, he's so fucking godly. It's like we, we have no. Um, we've got nothing in common with this guy yeah he's like he's superhuman the way he, he is with his charisma that's that's his thing but you can rub people the wrong way you, you yeah. get, you'll get jealous of it yeah you can't be jealous of Steve Austin because you fucking love him I thought I always the way I, I remember thinking like, and this is after the fact but like, I always whenever I would think about that mania it's like when you look at the two characters it's like Rock is the guy who wrestling fans of that era if they could be a wrestler they'd want to be the Rock because no one could be The Rock he's fucking godly but if they had to have one that they loved the most if they could only have one I think they would have gone with Austin see I, I say different. if in the real world I want to be Rock I want to be Rock walking down the fucking high street yeah but if you're going to be a wrestler you'll be Steve Austin because he's going to kick your fucking ass yeah <laughs> different it's great dynamics and, and just Wait, to when talk you do a sh- when you do a show can you can you say, say, send him a clip of me saying there for yeah I will do that well yeah, yeah. Just come on it. Steve get on the blow will you yeah. but uh, the other one too when we're talking conception of this angle if there was a if there was a thought that Steve Austin felt he was getting stale that he needed to do this to freshen himself but because obviously uh, yeah, and, that's, and that's something we should just touch on yeah. quickly where we, when we give Flair the portion of the blame in 99 Austin, Austin has this. to take a fair share of the blame here as well yeah Absolutely. he wanted this he felt stale he wanted him to freshen himself up and I think it, I think that this kind of starts in 99 where after the Vince feud ends, we're talking about this again, not to keep plugging the timeline, but after the Vince feud ends, and Austin really doesn't have anything all that interesting, after the Vince feud ends, for that few months in 1999 before he gets injured, when he comes back, it's the same, it's like, there's this feeling with Austin, you sense, where he's looking for the next thing, the next big thing that is going to be as big as, as the, the Vince feud. He comes back, the Rikishi thing doesn't happen, the Triple H thing flops, he's in his head, he's probably thinking, I'm, I'm near the end of my rope, I need whether it's fresh opponents or whatever it is to me if that's the idea okay the second you buy WCW the week before Wrestlemania why on earth you think you need to still turn Steve Austin heel is absolutely mind blowing he put Triple H over the month before Mania didn't he which is ridiculous that, two, that three stages oh shit match, yeah one month before oh my god which to set up the idea that Triple H was going to turn he- turn babyface the day after Wrestlemania and that's what was going to happen that, went, okay. that was the idea and then Triple H said nah let's be a heel so it basically just looks like the biggest star of the two stars vintage Triple H gravy training and, and changing the plan and, and lobbying for no, let's draw it out let's drag it out for months and just fucking sucked and didn't work again execution awful as bad as the conception is the execution was just turgid <laughs> that crowd was so fucking hot as well I know I mean was that it, was such a great I love that match it's fantastic match and it's just so passionate and people that's it passion and love and Jesus Christ, it again. If he'd have just <laughs> won with the stunner at the end, that place would have just. This is the greatest fucking WrestleMania of all time, bar none. No complaints. The hero wins in the end. Fuck yes, yeah, Steve Austin. And now WCW's fucking coming. We got to deal with that shit. I think if, in hindsight, very little Rock was going to be going forward, they, it would have been different as well. Yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's it. it. There's, a, there's an element of protecting Rock in there, which even though, it didn't matter because of how things evolved. But, <laughs> So, sorry, Q. I'm sorry. No, I don't. I don't. I, it's just. It's just. Can't react. I, and they're like the Undertaker. Yeah. Just met him backstage. 
I, I don't disagree with your the, the the thought process of the idea of protecting rock, but they never fucking protected rock in the past. Why should now be the exception? They had the rock loose to the big boss man on Raw to set up big show boss man at Armageddon. <laughs> it's oh, <laughs> Carl. It's you've got the point is you've got rock and you've got Austin. So it's protecting his star power. He's on the level with Austin, and if you just fucking bury the guy. There's the rational thought process. You've devalued his star power. We've established he's not as good as Austin. So there's some kind of caveat asterisk that he's still on Austin's level and he got fucked. And, and that's in their mindset. Okay, we we'll protect it. In terms of stars, they're still positioned the same. He's just now he's heel. And uh, it's but with him gone, it didn't matter. No. So yeah, yeah. just a tough, tough situation and no win idea. I, 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 you know, you look back at hindsight. It didn't even take hindsight at the time. It's just like. I just don't think this is the way to go. No one, no one. That first week, that first week, the day after, we just the cage match with The Rock, and Austin does the thing where he's tapping out when the ref's not looking or something like that. And it's like, Steve Austin would never do this. Yes, yeah, completely different guy. He's a different guy it now. It doesn't work anymore. This just doesn't work. It's not legitimate. Steve Austin never taps out. Not he pass, he pass, this is the man that passes out in the sharpshooter. Yeah, and here he's in The um, Rock's fucking crap sharpshooter tapping like a baby. Yeah, um. <laughs> Sorry, no, steamrolled your point. No, it's, it's just the order, the lack of authenticity. Could, could, you, could you build to that that idea though? Say if, as over time, he becomes entitled to Steve Austin, and, and, he, and he becomes softer because of it. Mm. That's kind of a reason to dislike him, maybe. Yeah, over but time. You, but you, yeah, next night. <laughs> next like, night. Who the fuck is this guy? And, and you, things you, you can't. You, you're fucked either way. Which again is another reason why this doesn't work. If you'd have done it straight away, which they did, it feels inauthentic and completely bogus. If you'd have kept it the other way, well, we still don't fucking dislike this guy because he's a legend and he's fucking the, the toughest fucker in the world. Hence, it's just a terrible idea. Yeah. But conception, execution, yeah. all time business, all time stinker. This is the worst. <laughs> it's like you say. You, you don't. You didn't even need the hindsight. E- even if. Even if no one could predict the drop off in numbers that would happen so so quickly, just watching it at the time, you're saying this just doesn't feel right. No, something's just off. Yeah, it's just not gonna work, and it didn't. And uh, that pretty much covers us all. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time this week to talk about the worst turns in wrestling history. We hope you enjoyed the show. If we didn't get to your feedback this time, we apologise. But uh, we had a lot to get to, a lot to discuss. And I think round the table, are we all on the consensus that Austin is probably the worst? Liam, you know we are. I mean, yeah. We start this off air with Doobity Steve Austin first or last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, was, he was always going to be the... I just thought there might be a chance that one of the ones we talked about before riled you up. Particularly Flair. Flair and Hogan's double turn is actually a pretty strong candidate. I think that's yeah, pro- mm. in, in many respects more egregious. More egregious, more, more heinous, because at least there was intentions with Austin that were probably pretty yeah. good. Um, even if it was again terrible idea but Whereas that was just predicated entirely on selfishness without any regard to business yeah I wonder I wonder how much things may have been tailing off if Austin had stayed babyface do you reckon that things would have gone the same direction that, just slower that was my point before I, I, I got my time I thought I forgot we were in 2001 not 99 <laughs> <laughs> that the you still I think it's still driven by you didn't have anyone on them on their level and they, they didn't it, the it's you needed to set up heels go for if you're going to keep them separate keep them separate um, probably should have turned rock really given what happened going for, like, that wouldn't have mattered whatsoever yeah. it would have been wildly entertaining probably got over Moore's face in the long run again um, from when he returned occasionally um, he needed a, Austin needed opponents though going for not, uh, he needed 
an interesting heel dynamic to go forward with and that's the probably the bigger one it's 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 self-perpetuating pro- uh, not self-perpetuating he still, he still had hot people he could, hot new characters could, that's the thing that confuses me about it you had Angle yeah, but he's you thinking, had Benoit yeah but you're thinking okay but he's the flip side is he's got a he's still addressing it as he's going to be the star mm. and if you're going to bring a face an interest if he's thinking I want a, a Vince McMahon for you then you need a face who's Steve Austin to be going against you mm. and we haven't got Rock and they haven't, there's no one close uh, if you did it you flipped it the way around so you need another lead you need a lead heel you need a lead is there someone in WCW you, can, you could have gone with could you, I don't know <laughs> no, no, no I, I don't mean to say that in a dismissive sense I just say no on the basis of we know that the only sort of people that you could have potentially used which was Goldberg really at that point I don't think well, maybe Hogan um, they've got Time Warner deals and they don't give a shit if if the company want them or not they're not, they're not giving up those cushy seven figure numbers to not work <laughs> who would <laughs> who would but they, like it, I said, uh, it, I think, on the roster I, 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 I still think you know there was that problem of Triple H as a heel not wanting anyone else to be the top heel and him and Austin wasn't working anymore so yeah, you know, Triple H has got to be supplanted yeah, yeah, or you, Triple H has yeah. got to turn you can't, you can't go back to Triple H if yeah. you're keeping Austin as a babyface and I think and turning him comes, to align with the guy you tried yeah, to kill him in yeah. Triple H when, when it comes to the, the question of would business have sort of tapered off more slowly I think it's entirely plausible because I think the, the company would have would have suffered for simply the fact that The Rock isn't there that that would have had a, a detriment to the company, and and yeah, I think numbers could, may well have um, declined, but you know, to to decline to such a rapid extent where they lose basically half the maybe not half that might be an exaggeration, but significant chunks of their pay per view buying audience. Oh yeah, it, quite it, quickly it withered real fast, and they were losing like 150 grand per house show. Not like the, the downturn in attendance for Austin Turn deal, so not good, <laughs> not good at all. So uh, with that said, we hope this has been enjoyable for all of you. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we will be returning next week to the Monday Night War timeline to talk August of 1999, uh, the debut of Chris Jericho and the company. Hulk Hogan gets back in the red and yellow like you all want, uh, and a new champion is about to be crowned at SummerSlam, and there is uh, a lot of brouhaha stemming from that. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about here next week on the timeline, and we hope that you are with us then. So for Q&O Raw... And for Carl Jones. What's that, Tony? Don't turn off the live support. Okay. <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Talk to you next week. I'm bringing, no, it's only the beginning.